When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hello, Bunk Funkers! <laughs> Andy, you're so old and gray! Oh, time is past me by! Time, it is, uh, time. Time! Time's not on my side. No, it's not. Time isn't on anybody's side today, Andy, because today we are talking about a, I mean, this is a heady topic. Oh my God. This, this is Hedley Lamar. This is going to put you in the couch. This is, yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to make your couch into a suit and wear it around for the rest of your life after you hear this episode. Uh, Bunk Funkers, today's topic, if you like simulation theory, if you like kind of ancient history if you like egghead science this topic and mandela effect that kind of stuff if you like thinking about how the world's gonna end that too (laughs) this topic is for you it's got lots of stuff in it this is the theory the world ended in 2012 Ooh. um now of course well here's the thing this episode comes to us from a bunk bunker. This was suggested to us. Yeah. Um, this is from none other than Darcy from Manchester. Fucking thank you for the episode there, Darcy. Darcy. Ah. Fucking thank you for this e- <laughs> for the episode. Darcy. You're from Manchester, New York. Oh, Darcy. Darcy. Uh, uh, Darcy, Darcy from Manchester. Thank you for, for the fucking episode. Uh, yeah, we're doing so our best Mancunian accents yeah. now. Darcy asked us to do our best Mancunian accents, and this is what we when got. I was younger. This is I what say, we fucking got. Uh, could I miss you for a, a chudder? <laughs> I don't think that was it. I forget the fucking words. <laughs> I think you just asked to jerk off a goat. <laughs> That's commonly done in Manchester. 
when uh, uh, the Manchester United doesn't win. I don't know. I don't know nothing. I know I just fucking ignited like a million soccer fans, football fans. Let the Foot hate deep. mail flow. Um, Darcy, thank you so much for this topic. Darcy. 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 From Manchester. Manchester. It's almost Australian for you. It is very <laughs> close. Um, thank you so much, Darcy, for sending this in. Uh, we really appreciate it. This is a great topic. I mean, oh, to be yeah. honest, again, a little undersold. A ton of stuff to dig in on this one. This is a this is a big, fat, thick topic. This is a thick topic. This this script is coming in at over twenty pages. This 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 topic is busting out all over in all the right places. Yeah, that's true. Um, and of course, if you robbing, get, you want to get right to the action. You want to skip ahead in the in the timeline of our lives. You can look in the episode show notes in the description. Find the timestamp that'll help you scrub ahead to when the research starts. Because first, we got to give you an update, Andy. I mean, we got to we got to give you an update. You were there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we got to give the bunk funkers an update. These are no longer bunker sightings. I think you know they're still coming in, but the, we're. I think these are more like we have to update you on what's going on in the bunker lore. Yeah, there's obviously uh, a lot of things happening behind the scenes. Things are heating up. Things are getting hot and spicy. Um, yeah, we've we've gone to court. We've filed. well, I mean, let's. Yeah, we've taken bunker to court. That's true, but let's not put the horse before the cart here. Okay, um, I'll still or down. the cart before the horse. Whatever you do, I don't know why I'm about to take a drink of water before I talk, but. No, please go ahead. Take a drink of water and leave us hanging. Last week, Andy, we <clears throat> tried to short squeeze bunker stocks. Right. Bunkla. Bunkla. And, you we, know, kind of following along with this GameStop AMC trend. Right. We just jumped on the bandwagon. There were no, yeah. there was no short interest in Bunkla. Uh, we just bought a bunch of shares. Turns out we also didn't really understand how stocks work. We were making margin calls on these stocks. Mm. So we owed a lot of money to our broker. <laughs> oh, boy. We, yeah, those. Those capital calls were rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, overall, everyone ended up losing money. Uh, we ended up losing money. Bunker ended up losing money. Um, Bunkla lost money. Yeah, Bunkla lost a lot of money. Um, stocks fell from about a dollar to less than a penny. Less than a penny. <laughs> um, in fact, actually, the stocks are worth so little that um, they really can only be calculated in old currencies from before the federal currency was put into place. Right. Like state, old state currencies. Fractional sense. Yeah. Uh, it's It was bad. It's bad for everyone involved, but we are still squatting in the bunker. We are not leaving. We, this is our, we're on strike. At this we're point. hunkered in the bunker. We're hunkered in the bunker. We're on strike. We're uh, on strike. Kind and we're of fighting back against bunker. Yeah. We're, uh, we're squatting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're laying down. We're, well, you're We're, still you're squatting. I'm I'm squatting most of the time. Yeah, uh, because I brought my squatty potty from home. That's right. Because it feels so much better. It's okay. And the look, this is one of those. I was unimpressed with the squatty. I mean, potty. the bunker toilet is one of these high slung toilets, so it's it helps. So it's. But I know, was expecting it to really fucking like let loose like a slip and slide. But it's more of like there's still some pushing you got to do. Yeah. Well, you know. I don't know. Maybe my fucking intestines are all fucked up. Who all knows? good things worth having are worth a little bit of work. But I will say this. Yeah, I don't like those high ass toilets either. Mm-hmm. Give my, t- put my toilet on the floor. Low, low, to the, low Just rider. a hole in the ground. Low rider. I would be okay with the hole in the ground. I, I like, I, I like to sit. Uh, if they could make a like recliner 
Oh my God. Room. Can you imagine? I would never leave the bathroom. <laughs> you already kind of don't. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're still here in the bunker. We're still dressed up like D. Snyder. Um, the makeup is very caked on. I don't know how to take it off. <laughs> no, we at this point it's more part of our skin than anything. Uh, we have, our hair is looks def- like a sad, deflated clown. Yeah, we haven't kept up on the maintenance of yeah. it. I mean, it takes a lot of work to look like D. Snyder. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're still not going to take it. We're not going to take it. No, we ain't gonna take it. Well, you get the idea. I'm fucking tired of singing that song. Yeah, I'm singing it all <laughs> we, week. We shouldn't have made that our anthem. Oh god, <laughs> Andy, we've decided to take Bunker to court. We're taking him to court in Look. what people are calling the Bunk Avengers Civil Court. Yeah. Um. Uh, we got Judge Judy to preside. Over the, the Honorable trial. Judge Judy. The Honorable Judge. We Judy wanted Schneidlin. to get the Honorable uh, Gary Busey Pet Judge. If you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon. Gary Busey, pet judge. Real show where Gary Busey is in like a pet court. I don't know. (laughs) It's a real show. (laughs) Look it up. Oh, my God. We couldn't get him. He said, I won't touch that with a 10-foot pole, which is saying something that Gary Busey won't even come near us. Which is saying something that so many girls in my high school said (laughs) to me. Well, you kept bothering all the women's pole vaulting team, Andy. Yeah, well, you know. Um, but yeah, the Honorable Judge Judy presiding over our civil court case. Um, we took Bunker to court. We have a list of demands, Andy. Um, one of which is, you know, obviously we want to uh, we want to get our fair share. I feel like we've built up, we've endured a lot of. Um, distress unsafe work environments um i mean for god's sakes bunker fucking deep fried me and turned me into a beignet <laughs> yeah he did covered me in powder sugar i'm pretty sure he baked you into a pie at one point yeah uh baked me into a pie shot you out of cannons hit Shut you in me. the head on a roller coaster uh he he had me move into an apartment that was actually a giant robot uh he tricked me at the today show and <laughs> right. trapped me into a office that was actually a truck carson daly was there carson yeah carson daly was we've endured a lot of stuff a lot of damages and i think we want some repayment from bunker from that um we want to have a half we want to split the bunker three ways i feel like we've called this our home for a little while yeah um we want uh, a few other things but uh, the one of the other things on the list is we want uh we want the rights what is it we want uh, the ownership of what do we want? Custody. We, we want, want custody, custody of, of Peon Musk. Peon Musk. Yeah, we want. Look, Art and I want to adopt legally Peon Musk and raise him uh, as our child. Uh, Can you think of two better fathers than me and Andy? Could you think of one better father than either one of us individually? That's right. And you can't. You can't. That's the answer. You can't. So the two of us together, it's a dynamic duo. I mean, we're gonna raise Peon Musk right. We're gonna... A heavy diet of Mountain Dew and Xbox. That's right. Doritos. He's going to be drinking Mountain Dew and eating Xboxes. <laughs> yep. He's going to be eating Xboxes whole. Um, That's how you get good at gaming. We want to, you know, we want to take custody of Peanut Musk and be the ones to pull the katana from the Sasquatch. Um, and it's it's been rough. You know, we we had some, we had our kind of preliminary hearing today. As you do in court, Andy, right? 
Yeah. You're still looking up Gary Busey, pet judge? Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated. It's a real thing. Uh, and uh, we had our preliminary hearing today. A little weird, Andy. Yeah. Haven't, yeah. I mean, we're seeing Bunker. I mean, we haven't seen him for so long. It's been a while. And we saw him in court. Um, it's a little like seeing <clears throat> your an ex-lover in court and you mm-hmm. feel both horny and guilty in a emotion which I'm calling gorny. Yeah, we were both very gorny and... You know, Mr. Bunker, of course, was buff as ever. Uh, I was, he was. I was Sigourney weaving a basket too. He was wearing like a, uh, a like a Carhartt zip up uh, suit jumpsuit. No, it, it was a three piece Carhartt zip up suit <laughs> made of thick duck wool. Yeah, he was wearing duck a, leather, uh, a Sia wig, and I don't know why. And he he had. <laughs> He had like six birds on each of his arms. I don't know why Judge Judy let those into the court. Yeah. If I would have held him in contempt of court. Yeah. But I'm not Judge Judy. Because they said a lot of dirty words during the proceedings. He has trained each one of these birds to say only one of the words, the George Carlin's list of words you're not supposed to say on TV. There's six, there's six birds on each arm. So there are some repeats. <laughs> and there are some words that I think he just made up like Finkeldorf. Fluffernutter and like you know, <laughs> Fluffernutter is a thing. Uh, yeah, you know, and the the. <laughs> but the point is, we had a lot of conflicting feelings at this at this hearing. Judge Judy's out there, and she's trying to like talk about like what this court case is going to be about. You know, mm-hmm. like how we all need to behave ourselves. She keeps she keeps talking about how people should stop peeing on her, <laughs> and she doesn't want anybody to pee on her. And she's like not into piss porn. What? She just goes on and on and on about not being into like water sports. Uh, doesn't want a golden shower. Like, don't come in this courtroom and piss on me. She made that adamantly clear. And we both all had to sign a waiver, which I was hesitant about because if there's one person I want to piss on, it's Judge Jude. Well, you know, if it's, it's her fault, frankly, because she's always saying, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. And it's like, well, now all I want to do is piss on you. Yeah. And the birds, meanwhile, are going, piss, shit, fuck. Sucker, motherfucker, tits, Bluffernutter, Finkeldorf, Schmorgersborg. It's like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck, Mr. Bunker? Obviously, all three of us are representing ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a three-way. Art and I are Art and I are on the same side, but neither one of us is representing the other one. We filed separately uh, against Mr. Bunker. There's three tables. Mr. Bunker, of course, is also representing himself. Right. I mean, you know. I don't want to say this is a kangaroo court, but there is a kangaroo. <laughs> Look, all three of us were turned down f- for legal representation. You know, this isn't criminal. Yeah. So no attorneys have to take this case. Right. Nobody wanted it. Yeah. In fact, they all brought out giant poles and they said, we were not going to touch you with a 10 foot pole. Oh, man. They sounded like all those girls that I went to college with. It was all the girls you went to college with. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They're all attorneys now. They're all attorneys. (laughs) And nothing's changed. They're very successful. They won't take my case. They won't take my love. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, at this point, (laughs) Judge Judy has her hands full. I mean, seriously. And the pranks are happening already. I mean, somebody replaced Judge Judy's gavel 
with a squeaky toy and it was like nobody was laughing but i mean i thought it was pretty funny yeah i don't know who did that <laughs> we all uh, whoever did that is a real prankster <laughs> yeah i don't remember anybody even really reacting to that it seemed like everybody felt like that was just kind of a pointless waste of everybody's time huh that's the feeling you got yeah i mean i don't know i thought it was pretty funny i don't know i i was talking to uh to one of the jurors <laughs> there's a full there's grand jury of course it's a, a civil case yeah there's a jury uh and yes i was talking to them <laughs> but as an attorney not as a a, 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 a plaintiff uh <laughs> the kangaroo was not having that and let me tell you this is a hung jury okay uh, <laughs> they're they're all Pack male models eat. they're all male models they're all male models uh, every single one. We got to review them as part of the, uh, you know, Since jury we act as our own attorneys, we get to pick our... We, we obviously pick the hunkiest <laughs> ones. Yeah. I mean, you don't want a jury full of uggos. Plus, you know, Chad recognizes Chad, right? So the, we know these hunks are going to see us and be like, oh, these are our, these are my people. Yeah. But uh, nobody thought the uh, gavel prank was pretty funny, huh? No, no. Juror number, juror number 69. We made them... <laughs> we gave them their own numbers. Juror number sixty nine uh, was felt the same way that I did that it was it was pretty juvenile and it wasn't very funny. Uh, I don't know. Juror number four twenty seemed to. I think he was stifling a laugh. You think so? I'm just saying. I think there's going to be a lot of pranks at this this on this these these following court proceedings. And whoever is this prankster, this mysterious prankster, I don't know who it is. I just think that they're pretty funny. It's probably Mr. Bunker. Yeah, well. You would never do anything like that. You're not that clever. <laughs> so it's probably Mr. Bunker. Or one of the birds. Bunk Bunkers. <laughs> Maybe it's David Crosby. I don't know. <laughs> David Crosby is, has been, did come. He's in the audience. We might have him play some songs later. I don't know. I don't know how court goes. I'm pretty sure there's a song interlude. If there's a break, they have it's, recess. It's all part of the custody battle because he has donated sperm to Peon Musk. <laughs> This so, is going to be a long, I mean, this is going to be a long, this is a long proceeding because we are asking for a big list of things and you, I mean, we have a lot of demands. Um, you know, obviously top of the list is custody of Peon Musk and right. we're going to legally adopt Peon Musk and we're also going to take custody of David Crosby's sperm. That's right. Um, beyond that, uh, we have some, some other demands like, uh, number one, we want more respect mm -hmm. and Mr. Bunker has to demonstrate that. I mean, we're going to have to quantify that. We're going to have to bring in key witnesses. Yeah, experts in respect. Uh-huh. Um, be long. Yeah, it's going to be long proceeding. Uh, we want better. We want Could better, last the whole season. We want better plumbing in the bunker. That's true. We Definitely. want, we want this. We don't want the same water that is in the toilet after you flush it to go to the sink and the shower. We want that flow to be reversed. Yeah. Once we, once we, water goes through the sink in the shower, it comes into the toilet where you can drink it. <laughs> These are normal demands. We just want respect and we want some cash. We want, we want, uh, better lighting fixtures in the bunker. I won't stop at anything less than Savorsky. That's crystal. <laughs> crystal lighting fixtures. We want chandeliers in every room. Crystal Is that so much to ask, Bunk Bunkers? I mean, are we uh, like... We're men of simple tastes. You don't need a lot to please us. If you cut us, do we not bleed? <laughs> we do, a lot. If you don't allow us to have crystal, do we not weep? 
I mean, we have other demands that I'm sure we'll add later because I think you can just keep adding demands. I don't know. We how just, it works. you know, it's it's whatever. You you have to figure out that Mr. Bunker was wrong, and then we tell him what we want. Right, right, right. Like, you know, a pet giraffe. Yeah, and of course, Mr. Bunker is denying all these allegations. Um, you know, he is saying that he created Peon Musk using dark energy magic mm. and that he killed him with a katana in a katana battle. Yeah, and instead of instead of objecting by saying I object. He, he was just audibly farting every time we said something he didn't agree with. Judge Judy was pissed off. Yeah, but not pissed on. Yeah. <laughs> Believe you me. Um you know, I think Bunker has a has a has IBS. Um I'm just going to be honest. And I think we can use that against him. Cuz I think the hung jury doesn't like a tutor. Doesn't like a stinky butt. Farty pants. Like yeah. Mr. Bunker is. <laughs> Closing arguments. This man is a farty butt. <laughs> he has stinky pants. He's got a smelly butt. He's been tooting all court long. You guys have all seen it, you hunks. And, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens, Bunk Bunkers, in future episodes. Let us know. I mean, if you see Mr. Bunker outside of court, let us know how he's doing. If you get any dirt that we can bring up on Mr. Bunker, we would love to hear some of that as well. Anything hey, we can use to build our case. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, we, maybe we'll be able to play some of the, you know, the court recordings for you. That's true. Of the proceedings. You know, we might have to see. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, we might be able to play some of these court proceedings and we'll see what happens. Because um, I'm pretty sure you could just record what happens in court and play it publicly before the trial is over. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. With that. I mean... Um, we already uh, have a hung jury. There's no risk in that. <laughs> <laughs> we might show some of the photos of our juror members. I mean, seriously, these guys are fucking beautiful. Carved from stone. <laughs> Carved from, yeah, they're hunks. Uh, you know. Which they, is great because you guys should harass the shit out of them, get their autographs, talk to them about the case. Yeah. It's going to be great. See how they feel about stuff as it's presented like live time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of course, you know, this is costing us an arm and a leg because we're putting them up in a fucking five-star hotel. I mean, they are at the Ritz. Yeah. The Ritz-Carlton. And these guys are ordering lots of room service already. <laughs> it's yeah. only been day one, and they have ordered, like, at least five courses. We should have gotten less hunky people because they need a lot of protein. <laughs> oh, they need so much protein. I mean, you know, it'd be great if we could work out a deal between David Crosby and them, but I don't know if they're going to eat David Crosby's cum. Do they like that? Will that help or hurt us? I mean, as two hunky, super hot guys, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, we know what hunky, beautiful hung men eat. Yeah. And I guess you're right. It's not David Crosby's cum. <laughs> usually. Usually. Maybe it's a treat once in a while. Peckish. Um, we'll see. I think some other people might join in the audience. We don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, some of Mr. Bunker's longtime friends will show up. It's true. Maybe uh, tangentially connecting people to this podcast will show up. Mm -hmm. A lot of things are going to go down, Bunk Bunkers. But, yeah. Um, we got to go down to the uh, Bunker. Three thousand the bunk. Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. <laughs> oh, we're going to go. We're doing the Bunker Alarm now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. <laughs> I forgot what it was called. Art and Sorry, <laughs> court has me frazzled. <laughs> oh, man. Art that is... kangaroo tried to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Art, Art did try to fight the kangaroo. Yeah. Uh, and, 
you know, he lost a lot of his briefs. Yeah, I did. So that was embarrassing because we saw his naked dick. My boxer briefs went all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the bunk tech bunker alarm, we're going to we're going to ring the bunker alarm today. Uh, and for longtime bunk bunkers, first time bunk bunkers, you're going to find out uh, the bunk tech bunker alarm 3000 is a very sophisticated piece of equipment that allows us to play a perfectly synchronized alarm uh, for one lucky bunk bunker who is today's recipient. That's right. Uh, and that person is uh, none other than Darcy. Darcy from Manchester. Darcy from Manchester. Darcy from Manchester. Fucking Darcy from Manchester. <laughs> is your bunk alarm? <laughs> is <it laughs> Darcy from Manchester. Here's your fucking bunker alarm. Here's your fucking bunker alarm. Mark my words, Darcy. <laughs> anyway, uh, Darcy, this one's for you. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and program the yep. Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. Okay. Mm. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, I think this will be good for Darcy. Uh, okay. Now, um, you know, we're ready to go here with the mm. Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. This piece of equipment is so advanced. Oh, uh, we could just God, press a button and it would it. start. But Art and I like to do a little countdown because we like to have fun. So here we go. We're going to count down from three. And then, Darcy, this alarm is for you. Three, two, one. Here you go, Darcy. There you go. That was a great bunker alarm. Oh, what a great bunker alarm that was. Darcy. Thanks for being a bunk funker. Thank you, Darcy, for sending that in to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. <laughs> Darcy, thank you. Um, thank you, Darcy, for sending that in. I think this topic is fucking wild. I'm gonna be honest, Ooh, baby. Is it ever? Um, this is gonna. This is a real thinker. I think you're in for a treat here, bunk funkers. No, there's a lot to think about. This topic is a thinker. Mister Bunker is a stinker. That's true. He is big old stinky butt. Um. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've got the Mayan calendar. We're going to talk about the Higgs boson. We're going to talk about Mandela effect simulation theory. Um, Terrence McKenna appears. Um, so much is in this topic. It's really incredible. And, uh, there's a lot to talk about. The discussion is going to be wild. So let's get to it. This is the theory. Oops. That the world ended in Bunkfunkers of the future, this is Andy and Art here to bring you the whole enchilada on the idea that we don't exist and neither do you. <laughs> well, let me backtrack here a minute. 
Uh, we're here to discuss the idea that the world actually ended in 2012. Thus, us podcasting this in 2021 are actually a simulation, and you listening to this, whenever you are, are also likely a simulation. So have fun dealing with that. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, today, we'll discuss three major s sections, I guess you could call them, areas, mini topics. Uh, we'll cover the Mayan calendar doomsday prediction of 2012, the discovery of the Higgs boson, and a quasi-Mandela effect slash simulation theory kind of thing uh, to wrap it all together. You know, very succinct. <laughs> uh, the driving force behind this entire theory is really that everything has been shit since 2012, and that's when the world actually ended. That's a point that's hard and fun to argue with, but let's take a moment to talk about where we were in 2012, and Bunkfunkers, take a moment yourself. What were you up to in 2012? Let's do, let's consider that to help us set the mood. Mm. Um, well, in, in 2012... <clears throat> we knew each other. Yeah, we had met by this point. Uh, we had known each other for a couple of years. A, a year. A year. A year. A year. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I was in college. I was... I would have been doing my sophomore to junior season. Yeah, we were, uh, we were studying improv mm -hmm. at the Second City. I want to say the summer of 2012 <clears throat> is when you and I had our summer of love. Where we were like going to see improv shows literally every night of the week on that on that summer. You remember that summer? Was that that summer or was that the next summer? I think it was that summer. I think it was. Because I was in that apartment, remember? And then I would go down from that apartment and greet you outside. I have I have very visual memories of that. And I then, feel, I I feel like it was the next summer, but I might be wrong. My memory's not so good. My memory's not so good. I think it was that summer um, because, yeah, I think it was, Andy. I think it was that summer, summer of 2012, when we were going to see improv shows like, every night. It was a good year. Good year. 2012 was a good year, I think. Yeah. Well, the first half of it was. <laughs> Wait, what happened in the second half? I don't know. My junior year was rough, man. Junior uh, year of college was rough. So was my senior year. I mean, I was an adult by then, so every year is kind of the same. Right. So you had your that that. One apartment you were in, the mm -hmm. classic one. A mm -hmm. uh, lot of memories there. A lot of memories. Oh, I was making memories all the time in that place. <laughs> you know? I mean, that was pretty much our lives. We didn't really, there wasn't, you know, ton going on. We were just kind of, I was in school and you were an adult. And um, we we did, uh, improv. we did comedy classes on yeah. the weekends. Um, I don't know that we were even performing that much yet. No, we weren't. Uh, that didn't start until late, late 2012, early 2013, I don't think. No, maybe even late 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really kicked off after we got out of IO. Yeah. That's when things started to, to really shake. Well, wow, bunkfunkers. What uneventful hacks we were. <laughs> Literally. Um, you know, I guess our, we're nothing if we're not consistent, though. We were hacks back then. We're still hacks today. That's too true, Andy. Well, like, it's, uh, like we said, this theory is the uh, kind of this theory hodgepodge revolves around the Mayan doomsday calendar of 2012. 
And um, what that was, if you don't remember, is the Mayan prophecy is kind of loosely related to this theory, uh, to be honest. But we kind of mm. think it makes sense to include it because it was kind of like this weird mini Y2K that happened in 2012. Yeah. Um, and it does tie in a, a little smooch. So I think it's a neat thing, too, just to talk about. It. It's just fun. And we're going to also talk about the discovery of the Higgs boson particle, a.k.a. the God particle. And we'll do our best to explain it in non-egghead <laughs> terms. But it was essentially the last remaining piece, the last discovery to help answer the question, what are the true building blocks of our universe? And it was discovered in 2012. Now, it's some top high-level egghead scientist stuff, but uh, one Michio Kaku uh, described it in a way that's kind of mentally digestible for inferior cerebral gut biomes like ourselves. That is. It's the fuse for the Big Bang that created the universe. The fuse. Poetic. And finally, back in July of 2019, someone named Nick Hinton started a Twitter thread titled, uh, quote, a conspiracy thread. Did the world end in 2012? Question mark. And it kind of went viral and sort of nicely captures the zeitgeist of the idea that nothing has, quote, felt right since 2012 and included a lot of Mandela effect slash simulation theory elements. So we're going to go through that as well. Yeah, this topic has a little bit of everything for everyone. History for the history hogs, oink, oink. science for the eggheads, yoke, yoke. new age philosophy for the star lovers, smooch, smooch, and our obnoxious frat house chatter for the weirdos who think we're cool, uh, fart pussy. Now, the idea that the world is going to end is nothing new. I mean, literally, people have been saying the world is going to end since the world began, and they're right, except they're all wrong. The world likely will end one day, but every date ever presented has been incorrect. And much like all the housework I need to get done, it'll just have to be done next year or <laughs> in a different millennia. <laughs> to calculate the date of the supposed end of the world, proponents consulted, quote unquote, three Mayan calendars. The 260-day-long calendar called Sulkin. Uh, which is used for religious ceremonies and is divided into 20 weeks of 13 days. The 365-day-long calendar called Hob, which is used for planting crops. And the Long Count calendar, which is reset to day zero every 1,872,000 days, which is 5,128 years, a period known as the Great Circle. The next reset date, by some calculations, was December 21st, 2012. There is a fourth calendar based on Venus, but that calendar isn't important to the apocalypse. Yeah, so that calendar is kind of like us in so many ways. Yeah. They're in the record halls of podcasting, but unimportant to every discussion. But hey, just like that calendar, people will have to mention us. You can't deny our existence <laughs> as much as they try. So... <laughs> The Maya long count calendar is the uh, the real one here is, is, is you know, kind of based on a complex system of units ranging from days called kin to 144,000 days called a baktun. Now, once every 52 hob cycles, the hob cycle and the zulkin cycle begin on the same day. This is known as a calendar round. As a result, the Maya could only record dates for 18,000 980 days, which is about 52 years, one for every day in the round. And honestly, that was enough to kind of cover the average lifespan of any Mayan citizen at the time. But I don't know, the Mayans were really into calendars, so I guess that wasn't enough for them. So that's why they then created also the long count calendar. 
which has measured time since their concept of creation, which is believed to be August 11th, um, 3114 BCE. Now, the long count calendar counts the number of days since creation in base 20. And let's use their creation date as an example to kind of understand how it's laid out. So August 11th, 3114 BCE would be displayed as 13.0.0.0.0. And each number after a decimal has a very specific purpose. So let's break down another date. For example, 13.19.19.17.19. The first number from the left is the Bakhtun. In this example, it's 13. The second number from the left is the Katun. In this case, a 19. The third number from the left is the Tune. Again, this is another 19. So we got 13, 19, 19. The fourth from the left is the Uinol, which is the 17. And finally, you have the Kin, which is also 19. Uh, the second number from the right, the Uinol, only goes to 18, as 18 times 20 is 360 days. So 0 0.0.1.0.0, .0 or one tune, represents approximately one year. The fifth number, or baktun, uh, 1.0.0.0.0, is numbered 1 through 13 for no clearly obvious reason. Uh, upon reaching 13.19.19.17.19, like our example earlier, the calendar then clicks back over to 1.0.0.0.0. The official use of this calendar began at 7.13.0, or 7.13.0.0.0, which was September 12th, 98 BCE in our calendar system because the Maya actually didn't invent this system, but they used it. It dates back even before their time. So why was December 21st, 2012 or 12, 21, 2012 or 2012, 12, 21 for people who love their dates in ISO format? Oh, I love ISO format. Oh. The only way dates should be listed. Uh, I, I actually art uh, controversially. I'm going to agree with you on this uh, because the difference between date numbering in the U.S. and Europe creates a lot of confusion. It's a big thing. And if UTC you go, offset times, ISO formats, date times, they're very important. Four people. numbers four numbers for the year, then the month, then the date. Two, two digits each. That's right. That's the correct way to write a date. Yep. Uh, so why was this date, December 12th, 2012, December 12th. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. What is so hard? What date is it? 12, 21, 2012. December 21st, 2012. Why was this the apocalypse? Well, December 20th, 2012, common era would have been 12.19.19.17.19 in the long count calendar. And December 21st, 2012, common era would have been 13.0.0.0.0. The completion of one grand cycle, which is the 13th Baktun. God, I will never get tired of the word Baktun. 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 Um, according to the Mayan creation myths, we are living in the, quote, fourth world, end quote. And the third one ended on the 13th Baktun, or December 21st, 2012. So could this fourth world have been something to do with the strange simulated reality that so many people describe? Could it be the reason for these Mandela effects so many people seem to experience? Let's continue down this road and uh, talk about kind of the impact this discovery of the Mayan, quote, doomsday had in 2012. People were really freaked out about this whole 13th Baktun thing. 
and many internet personalities <laughs> uh, took quote, to unquote. Uh, yeah, what do you call these people? <laughs> took to forums and YouTube and what have you to kind of declare December 21st, 2012 as the dawning of a new era or the beginning of the end. But did the Mayans actually think that the 13th Baktun was the end of times? Well, at an ancient Mayan site, the uh, Tortuguero site, um, which lies in the southernmost area of Tabasco, Mexico, dates from the 17th century AD and consists of a series of inscriptions, mostly in the honor of the contemporary ruler, Bahlam Ahau. Ahau. Um, one inscription known as the Tor Tortuguero Monument 6 is the only inscription known to kind of refer to the Bak the 13th Baktun in any detail. It, it, it's been pretty defaced. I mean, give it some credit. It's pretty fucking old. Uh, but here is kind of a rough translation done by some um, some Mayanologists um, or Mayanists. I don't, I think that, I think they're called Mayanists. People mm. who study the ancient Maya. Yeah. It will be completed the 13th Baktun. It is for a jaw three Kankin, and it will happen, a seeing. It is the display of Bolon Yokte in a great investiture. Not much is known about this so-called Mayan god, Bolon Yokte. Um, according to an article by Mayanists, uh, Marcus Eberl and Christian Prager in the British Anthropological Reports, this Bolon Yokte is composed of the elements of the word, some word meaning nine, uh, okte, which people, I guess, don't really know what that means, and also a word that means God. So this Bolon Yokte God also appears in inscriptions from Palenque, uh, Usam Mancinta, and Lamar, which are other Mayan sites, as a God of war, a God of conflict, and a God of the underworld. Bolon Yokte has been portrayed with a rope tied around his neck and in another with an incense bag. Together, this kind of leads people to think that it signifies a sacrifice to end a cycle of years. Oh, well, I uh, I guess that uh, doesn't bode well for people who were freaked out about a supposed doomsday. Yeah. I mean, the last thing you want to show up at your 13th Baktun party is a god of war and conflict. Yikes. It could be worse, though. It could be worse. At my 13th Baktun party, my parents hired a birthday clown named Orcus, god of the underworld. <laughs> he terrified everyone at the party with his army of the undead, but I have to say, he made an awesome balloon animal. Oh. <laughs> Got a little giraffe? Yeah, it was very nice. Uh, and it, it held up well. I mean, Orcus was a good balloon animal. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, sure, the undead did kill a lot of the guests at my 13th Baktun party, but... Yeah, a lot of your friends died. Yeah. But it was a good balloon animal. Um... Well, a lot of people hold stock in the Mayans and believe they were a cosmic and prophetic people who were much more in tune with spirituality and nature. In Charles Gallenkamp's book, Maya, The Riddle and Rediscovery of a Lost Civilization, he explains how on December 21st, 2012, the 13th Baktun, there will be an, quote, alignment between the galactic and solar planes, end quote. The winter solstice sun will, quote, conjunct the Milky Way, end quote. This is supposed to open up some sort of, quote, cosmic sky portal, end quote. And this uh, galactic alignment was one of the main things people were freaked out about when the with the 13th Baktun date. 
Every year on the December solstice, the sun and the Milky Way appear from the surface of the Earth to come into alignment. And every year, precession uh, caused a slight shift in the sun's position in the Milky Way. Given that the Milky Way is between 10 degrees and 20 degrees wide, it takes between 700 and 1,400 years for the sun's December solstice position to process through it. In 2012, it was about halfway through the Milky Way, crossing the galactic equator. In 2012, the sun's December solstice fell on 21st of December. Dun, dun, dun! Portal time! Now, it wasn't just a galactic alignment or a giant cosmic sky portal. Many, including a Guatemalan anthropologist and student of Maya history and calendars, Carlos Barrios, um, believe the end of the calendar signifies a some sort of transformation of some sort, um, but not necessarily the end of the world. Again, what could this transformation be? Did we enter some kind of simulated reality, some kind of fourth world that from our own perspective, perspective seems real? In that case, I guess our world didn't end as much as it just kind of got shittier. <laughs> Lots of people over the years have studied the Mayan civilization with wonder and felt they possess some sort of grand spiritual connection. Now, the first reference of a 2012 doomsday actually came in 2001. But it doesn't really reference the Mayans. <laughs> a lot of Egyptian stuff, but not really the Mayans. But in 2006, author Daniel uh, Pinchbeck uh, popularized New Age concepts with his about, you know, the 2012 date in his book, 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl. 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 Close enough. Good, good for me. Which linked, <laughs> this this book linked the 13th Baktun to a whole range of stuff. I mean, we're talking crop circles. We're talking aliens. And we're talking the author's personal beliefs based <laughs> on drug use. But Pinchbeck hits at another concept drawn from this calendar by the New Age crowd. He says, quote, Growing realization that materialism and the rational empirical worldview, what comes with it, has reached its expiration date. We're on the verge of transitioning to a disparation of consciousnesses that's more intuitive, mystical, sh shamanic. End quote. Jeez. I'm going to have a tough time reading that book. Um, <laughs> a lot of New Age believers were freaking out about the mind calendar. One of the most well-known, Terrence McKenna, even connected it to his time wave zero theory, where he believes the universe would reach a singularity of infinite complexity likely in 2012 at which point anything and everything imaginable would occur simultaneously which sounds pretty neat but also sounds like something someone who does a lot of drugs with me <laughs> and terrence mckenna did a lot of drugs in the 70s to come up with this theory of which there's likely a whole episode topic about but hey we'll come back to mr mckenna later in the episode and give him his fair due now folks we would be remiss if we didn't also mention another doomsday theory that sprung up from the mayan 2012 calendar a mysterious planet X, which, no, bunk funkers, is not a totally rad planet where all the inhabitants have gelled, spiky hair, painted nails, and Jinko jeans so large they can act as military-grade parachutes. No, the air isn't bong smoke, and the rainfall isn't Mountain Dew. And no, everyone on Planet X doesn't commute by skateboard or BMX bike. If Planet X was all those things, don't you think Art and I would live there and be the planet's supreme rulers? Come on. Come on. We'd fit right in. We'd, fit, we'd be King Chad. Yeah, we would. On that planet. 
Anywho, Planet X was also believed to be Nibiru, the home of the ancient alien race, the Anunnaki. Anyway, the theory goes that in 2012, Planet X or Nibiru was going, going to crash into Earth. That was maybe what the Mayans got from this galactic alignment or portal or, or what have you. Other catastrophes which were tied to the 13th Bakhtun included natural disasters of all proportions, alien invasions, the Earth's magnetic poles would reverse, massive solar flares triggering a blast equivalent to 100 billion atomic bombs, solar storms, a red giant would undergo a supernova causing massive damage to Earth. Due to the galactic alignment, there would be a supermassive black hole at the center of the universe. And hey, speaking of black holes, let's talk about the other major discovery in 2012 that had people freaking out. The Higgs boson particle. Higgs boson. It's a boson particle. The Higgs boson was first theorized to exist in 1960s by physicist Peter Higgs and many other scientists who I guess weren't cool enough to get their names <laughs> added to the thing. So, bunkfuckers, here's the thing. Higgs boson is far beyond our pay grade, and we know some of our haters love to dunk on us because of our, quote, shitty research and, quote, horrible personalities <laughs> and our, quote, frat house chatter. And they're right. They're right. I mean, Andy and I should go get degrees in theoretical physics to properly talk about the Higgs boson, boson at great length and also fundamentally change our personalities to be more likable. There, we said it, okay? Are you happy it. now? Haters. Haters. But the YouTube channel Arvin Ash did a pretty decent job of explaining this topic. I mean, even I could understand it. <laughs> so you should go check out their video because we're going to summarize it here, but it'll also be linked in our research in the show notes as is, as is everything else we use. So shout out to Arvin Ash. Give them the credit. So in the second half of the 20th century, physicists developed what they call the standard model of elementary particles. What this is, is it's essentially breaking down all the elements in our world to their most, ba I mean, the most basic, basic subatomic building blocks. I mean, we're talking quarks, real subatomic shit, like Legos or connects. You guys remember connects? Yeah. Nobody remembers connects. Connects. They were awesome. So you got your quark quarks, you got your leptons, you got, you know, each of these, there's 12 of them, six in each, six each. Um, and they basically make up all matter. Then there are these four things called bosons, which make up the three main forces of the universe. And again, these are just like the main building blocks that explain everything in the universe except gravity, because gravity just has to be difficult. The three forces the bosons create are strong force, weak force, and electromagneticism, or, or electromagnetism, I guess. Uh, one thing Arvin Ash left out was how midichlorians make up the the force, and that's what give Baby Yoda all them cool powers, boys. God damn, Baby Yoda is so cute, fucking adorable. Wish he, wish fucking Baby Yoda would come down here and show me some of them cool levitating tricks. Jesus Christ, love to sit there and eat them chicken tendies watching Baby Yoda. So everything was hunky dory with the standard model, except for one gaping, exposed, well lubricated hole. The bosons that make up the weak force shouldn't have mass. Don't ask us why. That's above our pay grade. We don't understand it. <laughs> well, look, we're on thin ice as it is. Don't ask us to expound on this. They just shouldn't have mass. Okay? Yeah, they just, they shouldn't. They just shouldn't. But all the experiments the egghead scientists did showed that these bosons did indeed have mass. Why? What is this mass effect, Commander Shepard? <laughs> Bye, Yoder. Eggheads were stumped. They couldn't figure this shit out. 
This science crap is hard, dude. Fuck. God damn. Enter one Peter Higgs. He theorized that maybe these weak force bosons actually were massless, just like everything else. Uh, just like they were supposed to be. But they gained mass due to a hypothetical energy field that permeates everything. This is the part of the Joe Rogan podcast where he goes, Whoa. And then asks Jamie to pull up that video of the chimpanzee, fight, the chimpanzee fighting a moose. <laughs> now, while Joe might have his critics, his reaction of whoa is apropos. It's an apropos whoa. Because the higgs boson essentially explains why everything has mass and why some particles that shouldn't have mass do have mass. Without mass, the universe could not function or exist. And also, without mass, I could sleep in on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Without this Higgs boson and this Higgs field, um, nothing could exist. I mean, seriously, thus the name the God particle. That's why it's so damn important. It's like the basic structure that explains all the other basic structures that explain bigger basic structures that explain us. So Arvin um, explains this wonderfully by using the analogy of a fish in water. Some fish are very slender and they have like pointed little noses and they're very cute and they can glide through the water effortlessly. Other objects like Andy and I are big, thick boys and we don't move through water so well. And also we get tired real easily and we need to go back to the beach for a hot dog and a three hour nap. In the same way, particles <laughs> ripped blow from the headlines based on a true story. <laughs> In the same way, particles with low mass interact with the Higgs field differently than particles with large mass. Low mass particles don't interact with as many Higgs bosons in the Higgs field, and they can move around more freely, whereas large ass mass particles interact with a lot more Higgs boson particles, and they don't move around so well. This was all just a theory, a glint in Peter Higgs' little eye, and likely there were some stains involved. Until 2012, when the experiment with the Large Hadron Collider at CERN confirmed the existence of the Higgs boson. So the Higgs boson seems pretty friggin' rad. Like, maybe we ought to be thanking the Higgs boson for, you know, helping the universe exist? Thanks, little particle dude. <laughs> or maybe, if you're a Zoomer, you'd hate it because it makes you exist. Mm. Why was everyone scared that this thing would destroy us all? Seems like a dope little subatomic particle. I mean, I want to give it a little smooch and tuck it into sleep, you know? <laughs> Love you, Higgs boson. Well, people weren't scared of the Higgs boson itself exactly. It was actually the method used to discover it, the Large Hadron Collider. Some theorized that these experiments would create micro black holes, which would destroy, you know, everything and create an apocalypse on a scale of which the world has never seen. Uh, so now we got to do more egghead explaining for you. Uh, in physics, there's a few core principles that we got to cover to understand why the friggin' Large Hadron Collider could fuck us up. Energy. Number one, everything in our physical world possesses energy levels. And these energy levels transfer based on various interactions. An object at rest has a storage of potential energy, and if it moves, that energy then transfers to kinetic energy and can be expelled in a number of ways. Take, for example, a log of wood. It's got potential energy in its chemical bonds that make up its existence, but if I set it on fire, you know, when Smokey the Bear isn't looking, <laughs> I'm a little firebug, it starts to burn, breaking down its chemical bonds into heat, energy, and sound, uh, energy, and light. Uh, I then convert marshmallow energy into yummy energy in my large tummy collider. 
<laughs> Stability. Objects in our universe are kind of like us. They just want to be at a state of rest. Things like to have low energy, man. Be stable and cozy. That's good for podcast hosts. And it's good for subatomic particles. Subatomic particles want to be at equilibrium. They just want to be in a state of rest. They just want to be stable. Damn, dude. Quantum physics is a fucking mood, bro. <laughs> that is. God damn. I just want to be stable. Yeah. For once in my life. Now, this state of low stable energy is called a vacuum state. And the state of low T is called being a self-described comedian skeptic podcast host. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> anyway. Pretty much every one of the subatomic particles we described earlier is, you know, your quarks, your your leptons, and the other bosons that aren't the Higgs. They're believed to be in this nice, stable, cozy vacuum state. Like, but except the Higgs might not be. Uh-oh. <laughs> this Higgs field, which again is like an energy field, like a subatomic energy field that permeates the entire universe consisting of Higgs bosons, which give the world mass. Well, it might only be metastable, in which it pretends to be stable, but in actuality is not. Damn, what the fuck? Is this episode about physics or how I interact with other people? Are you a Higgs boson? <laughs> I might be a Higgs boson. I'm metastable, and I just want to be stable, and I just want to be at rest for yeah, once in my life. You just want to be in a vacuum state. So if this theory is correct, then possibly, again, potentially, the Higgs field might have a bunch of potential energy stored and be ready to give it off so it can finally be at rest. All it needs is one little push to spark the whole thing. And one example of this, this push, this sort of spark to ignite the apocalypse is the idea of quantum tunneling, which is pretty, again, way beyond our pay grade. I can't even understand the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> You got to remember that in the quantum world, everything is real nutty. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, shit doesn't act normal down there. Subatomic particles, they teleport. They zip around. They're in two places at once. Quantum tunneling essentially is a subatomic particle can like appear on the opposite side of a barrier that it should not be able to penetrate. Again, that's about as much, much, much as we can milk out of it uh, <laughs> in understanding. So, like, let's let's put this into example. A Higgs field could potentially just sort of, like, teleport into another state of being, and suddenly it's exploding with a metric fuck ton of energy. Whew. Uh, well, we already described how important the Higgs boson and the Higgs field is to the makeup of the entire universe. Can you imagine if this field, this thing that makes up everything ever, just started exploding as it released its potential energy? It would push everything over the edge, causing explosions of energy everywhere, instantaneously, all at the same time. It would create a massive sphere of energy that would expand at the speed of light, devouring everything. Like, if this happened, you wouldn't even have time to react. It would be instantaneous. Your existence would just be no more. Everything's existence would be no more. But since the Higgs is like the most basic building block of everything in physics, if it changed its energy state, everything would be consumed and therefore changed with it. Everything about our physical universe would be different and inconceivable. I would like to point out that Art wrote in here, Princess Bride guy for me as a guide, because he doesn't know the actor's name, Wallace Shawn. I don't even know if you've seen The Princess Bride. I've seen The Princess Bride. 
Inconceivable. You keep on using. I've also seen my dinner with Andre. Didn't see any references to that in here. Never seen that movie. <laughs> I know who Andre the Giant is. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I'm the on the peanut. That would have been a. That would have been quite a movie. I'm the on the peanut. <laughs> All right. Hey, keep me in again. Everything about our physical universe would be different and inconceivable. You keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> no, Artigo Montoya. <laughs> I think the idea of our universe imploding into a bizarre world of unimaginable horror and unexistence is pretty friggin' inconceivable. Prepare to die. <laughs> Anywho, and that is what people were worried about with the uh, experiments in 2012 with the Large Hadron Collider, LHC, uh, which discovered the Higgs boson. Can you imagine if those friggin' eggheads did something to make the Higgs field unstable and caused a supermassive black hole which fundamentally changed the reality of our universe and wiped us all out of our existence? There were safety concerns at LHC over this very idea. The idea that the LHC experiments would create micro black holes at the rate of the order of one per second. There was also the fear that the LHC would create a theoretical fragment called a strangelet which basically all these fragments do is, is convert all matter in the universe to strangelets. So it just turns everything into itself. Yeah. They're, they're like subatomic self-replicating Midas touch machines. Everything would be strange when you're a strangelet. <laughs> Everything's strange when you're a strangelet. <laughs> you don't exist because you're now a subatomic particle. Um, now that we've given you the subatomic hole enchilada, you can see why people were so effing freaked out about the Higgs boson experiments and discovery in 2012. Did the experiments actually work? I mean, what if scientists actually destroyed the fucking universe by changing the stability of the Higgs field and the universe we're living in now is actually the center of some supermassive Higgs black hole? What if our universe was actually destroyed and we're living in some sort of simulation of what our society would have been like? Had we all survived? I mean, furthermore, with the discovery of such a fundamental building block of our universe, what if you could manipulate it or control it? What if further experiments lead to more destruction? Are the scientists at CERN playing God with the God particle? Well, that's where the third portion of this topic kind of tries to tie everything together. And this section is less of a concrete theory and more of a general or speculation that is commonly shared amongst lots of people, but especially on the internet. But it was summed up kind of nicely in a viral Twitter thread posted in 2019 by uh, someone named Nick Hinton, at Nick Hinton, that's N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N, on Twitter, if you want to give him a follow. Um, so we're going to actually go through his Twitter thread, <laughs> kind of tweet by tweet. Well, we'll skim past a few because it gets pretty long. And we'll jump off at random offshoots to explain in more detail. But let's begin. Hinton starts with this. I've wanted to talk about this subject for a while now. The other day I had a random urge to look into it again and read some old stuff. You know, just for fun. Ever since then, I've noticed other people talking about it again. This has actually been really frustrating for me because I have nothing to refresh my memory while writing this. I found a few things here and there that are helping me piece the puzzle together again but I know there used to be so much more out there. So did the world actually end in 2012? Well, it was the year the scientists at CERN finally found the Higgs boson. You know, the particle Stephen Hawking predicted could destroy the universe 
or in his own words, cause the universe to, quote, undergo a catastrophic vacuum decay, end quote. There's the old cliche argument that nothing has, quote, felt right since 2012. I agree with this. Maybe it has something to do with, quote, growing up and getting older. But ever since then, it seems like the world descends more and more into chaos each day. Time even feels faster. Like I've said before, I think we live in a series of simulations. Perhaps the universe was destroyed by CERN and our collective consciousness was moved into a parallel universe next door. It would be almost, quote, identical. We already talked about the Higgs boson and CERN experiments, but what, what Hinton is also getting at here is commonly referred to as simulation theory. Now, we covered simulation theory in our fourth episode, uh, but here's the 411 uh, to bring you up to speed. Let me just give you one of these. Simulation theory is a hypothesis that proposes that all of reality is a simulation and that computers are dictating our every choice. Oxford professor Nick Ballstrom sets up his simulation theory like this in three separate ideations. Number one, the human species is very likely to go extinct before reaching a quote-unquote, post-human stage. Uh, two, any post-human civilization is extremely unlikely to run a significant number of simulations of their evolutionary history or variations thereof. And number three, we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. Ostrom isn't arguing that either statement has more merit than the other, but rather that one of the statements is true. If the first two are not true, then there are more people living in simulations than in the real world. The theory goes a lot deeper than that, and we give you the whole enchilada on it, so check it out if you haven't. But Hinton is getting at the idea that maybe after the CERN experiment fucked up our previous timeline, or maybe because of that experiment, we are living in a computer-simulated reality which simulates anything and everything around us. Hinton then starts to get into some common experiences with the Mandela effect. Some people remember Febreze, uh, F-E-B-R-E-E-Z-E, rather than Febreze, F-E-B-R-E-Z-E. Some people remember Skechers with a T in the middle instead of Skechers with no T in the middle. Looney Tunes, T-O-O-N-S, instead of Looney Tunes, T-U-N-E-S. Uh, J.C. Penny, no E, instead of J.C. Penny with an E before the Y. The list goes on. If, if these don't look or feel right to you, you're not alone. Mandela effects get much creepier, though. Some people remember the Statue of Liberty being in a totally different location, that location being Ellis Island. It's actually on Liberty Island. Now, if that's not strange enough, if you go on Google Maps Street View, there's a few specific areas of Liberty Island where the Statue of Liberty is just gone. Residue from the previous timeline, perhaps? The Mandela Effect is a common name for the phenomenon of remembering something that doesn't, uh, doesn't appear to be factually true. Now, the Mandela Effect gets its name, which was allegedly coined by a paranormal researcher and MandelaEffect.com administrator, Fiona Broom, from Nelson Mandela, the former South African president and apartheid fighter. Nelson Mandela was murdered by old age in 2013. Great classic, classic, classic bunker joke. Yeah. Nelson Mandela was murdered by old age in 2013, but some people claim to have the distinct memories of Mandela dying in jail in the 1980s. Another somewhat famous example is that of the Berenstain Bears a popular children's entertainment franchise, which some people remember as the Berenstain Bears. In actuality, the Berenstain Bears. And there's a, there's a laundry list more. Mm -hmm. Many researchers chalk the Mandela effect up to the human brain's easily manipulated memory. But other, others believe that the vast amount of common memory mistakes is too weird to toss out. 
Is it evidence of a glitch in our simulated reality? Well, we also covered the whole enchilada on the Mandela effect in our episode nine. So if you want some more, go check it out there. Anyway, Hinton continues with this. Apparently, right after the United States entering into World War I, the Germans committed the, committed the first act of terrorism on U.S. soil. It is considered one of the largest artificial non-nuclear explosions to have ever occurred. I'm wondering, why didn't I hear about this in school? Um, that's true, bunkfuckers. It's called the Black Tom Explosion. The explosions occurred on January 30th, 1916 in the New York Harbor. They killed four people and destroyed some $20 million worth of military goods. This incident, which happened prior to the U.S.'s entry into World War I, also damaged the Statue of Liberty. And it was one of the largest artificial non-nuclear explosions to have ever occurred. And much like Nick Hinton, I didn't learn about this in school either. But then again, I didn't learn much of anything in school. I was too busy sitting in the back of class shooting spitballs at the poindexters up front and generally just causing a ruckus. But hey, <laughs> my world came crashing to a halt when me... A jock, a brainiac, a freak, and a beauty queen all got sent to weekend detention together. Man, despite our differences, we realized that day we all face similar problems. Don't you forget about me. Don't, 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 don't. Don't you forget about me. Art, do you still have the diamond earring I gave you in your ear? Of course, Andy, I would never betray the breakfast club. Don't you think it's weird that everyone was kissing in front of their parents' cars? <laughs> Wouldn't the parents be like, why are you kissing that person you left attention with? Anywho. <laughs> you ever wonder about that? Yeah, it's kind of a weird ending to the movie. Watch. Yeah. Anywho, Hinton continues. Well, anyways, a while back, there was a, vi a viral thread on 4chan posted by someone who claimed to be one of the 23 scientists at CERN responsible for creating the Mandela effect. They claimed the planet was destroyed and we were placed in a simulated world. Well, we couldn't find the exact thread mentioned by Hinton, uh, but there's a similar one we found, and it reads, You think things are bad now, but you don't understand why. Can't figure out, can't figure why the world seems to have turned upside down? In 2010, CERN began colliding particles in Switzerland with the intention of opening up a portal to the quote-unquote dark side. The CERN campus is steeped in occult imagery. They've done everything they can to signal that they were they are well aware of what they are doing and what the consequences are. In 2013, CERN's LHC, Large Hadron Collider, went offline for upgrades and maintenance for two years. It started up again on June 3rd, 2015, only stronger and more powerful than ever before. Uh, then there's a link uh, to a web.com article. Uh, notice anything different in the world since the summer of 2015? Notice anything different with our political scene, our media? Notice how bitterly divided and irrational the world is becoming? CERN's LHC is now once again undergoing upgrades, which will be complete by 2026 to increase its output by five or six times. It will be running during construction, meaning that the changes caused by CERN are about to get increasingly more and more powerful as time goes on. CERN is, is essentially a project by satanic elites to call for the uh, quote-unquote demon world into Earth. The reason you see our society collapsing so fast over the last few years, since 2010 particularly, is because of CERN. They are literally merging our reality with a darker, evil reality. The Mandela effect is real and is a consequence of the two realities bleeding into one another at a quantum level. As time goes on, you'll notice the Mandela effect becoming more and more and more pronounced, 
to the point where people will no longer be able to deny it because everyone will have memories that simply weren't part of the reality they are now living in. Hinton goes on about simulations and the idea that we're, li- that we're a simulation within a simulation. He then brings up Terrence McKenna. He says, but anyways, besides the Mayans, there were some other people who predicted 2012 would be the end. One of these people was Terrence McKenna. Well, he didn't necessarily believe 2012 would be the end, but he predicted there would be some reality rearranging event. He made this prediction using his time wave zero formula, which supposedly mathematically decodes the King-Wen sequence of the I Ching into something that graphs the fractal patterns of history. All right, let's talk about Terrence McKenna. McKenna was basically basically tripped hard on magic mushrooms and DMT in the 1970s while traveling around the Amazon rainforest. While he was doing this, he studied the King-Wen sequence of the I Ching. The I Ching is an ancient, ancient book of Chinese proverbs and also a method of divination based on numerology. Um, divination is in fortune telling. It's highly regarded because, you know, it's an old ass book. And so, you know, historians and anthropologists are all into it, but also new age peeps kind of dig it too because of the supposed method of fortune telling. It's got a little something for everybody. <laughs> the King Wen sequence is in the book and it's a sequence of 64 hexagrams, which are essentially, and this is again, we're going to try and describe something visual in an audio form. Yeah. One of our favorite things to do. <laughs> which are essentially six lines with very specific breaks in them. Like, for example, the first hexagram is six straight lines drawn vertically in a row. The next hexagram is six lines drawn vertically in a row. But then you took your eraser and you dragged it across the middle horizontally across the six straight lines. Got it? Now repeat that in various different erasing formats 64 times. So the King Wen sequence has a bunch of theories on it, but its meaning has really no official explanation. McKenna came up with a supposed explanation of the King-Wen sequence and his own theory of the end of the world called the novelty theory and time wave zero. All right. Again, again, above our pay grade, but here's our best attempt to sum it up. Honestly, Terrence McKenna and all his theories could be their own episodes in and of themselves. He begins, time is only experienced by the events which occur within it. As time moves closer and closer to the present, the more and more events occur. In the ancient times, there weren't as many things happening, so time kind of moved slower in a way. But now, major worldly events are happening almost constantly. I mean, fuck, just last year, every headline every single week would have been a major news story of the year, am I right? That's just talking about America. There's more and more happening constantly now than ever before ever in the history of the universe. Think about it this way. Way back at the beginning of the universe, there was not much going on at all. You have subatomic particles forming basic elements. That's about it. You didn't even have basic life forms like amoebas and shit. You didn't have amoebas and shit yet. It was <laughs> fucking bacteria. Or to come just shit. fucking... The fuck? Name a single-celled fucking organism. You just had subatomic particles. It's just particles around. for eons. And now think about today and think about how much more shit happens. Complex shit relative to the universe. More shit happens now in a calendar year than occurred in one billion years of time. One billion years ago. The universe is speeding up. The rate of change is exponential if you were to graph major events since the start of the universe to now. Most of life was genetic changes, and it took hundreds of thousands of years. This is evolution 101. For a small bird to change its plumage would take maybe a million years of time. 
But humans rapidly accelerated change into a system of epigenetic, uh, epigenetic change, which is like changing behavior and ideas. McKenna says this, uh, the rate of change, uh, the rate of change for a coral reef might have taken a million years, but the rate of change in a political idea or movement in modern Europe, the birth and genesis of a political idea is thousands of times faster than the genetic change of a coral reef. Take this for example, artificial intelligence and machine learning were concepts that have been around since like the 1950s, but today they're, they're a reality being used to solve complex problems across the world. That's an example of a modern epigenetic idea being created and brought to life in kind of like a hundred under a hundred years of time. Uh, compare that to how long it took for ancient hominids just to stand upright. Great segue, Art. And now we're speeding shit up even more as we move closer and closer into the machine age, where mankind will eventually create and have created machines which can think for themselves and who can uh, process information at an inconceivable rate faster than humans their changes will outdo those of human my head hurts <laughs> all right so what's what he's getting at what mckenna is getting at is that we're reaching the epoch the event in time in which the complexity of the universe can change no more the singularity if you will mckenna says quote we are now within the shadow of this transcendental moment in time end quote McKenna says that the average human can actually feel this rapid rate of change in time. And Hinton's tweets are kind of proof of that, right? Like a lot of people seem to feel this way. Time is moving faster. A lot of people seem to agree with the Mandela effect and that time, uh, time feeling faster related comments. Well, McKenna says instead of treating that as some sort of psychological phenomenon, that it's actually a, a literal observable property of the physical universe. And thus, McKenna created a mathematical formula or chart, which is time wave zero, um, so to speak, to basically count down the end of the universe, which he believed to be December of 2012. Well, actually, he believed it was November of 2012, but then he read about the Mayan calendar and changed it to December to match. But then McKenna then also says that he doesn't really give a fuck about the actual date. It could be 100 years from 2012. It could be 500 years. But when you think about it, like relative to the lifespan of the planet, it's nothing, man. 500 years is a blip. In essence, the universe isn't going through time. The universe is being pulled through time towards some end date. And it's coming soon to a theater near you relative to the lifespan of the earth. <laughs> Art, me had no feel good. I know, Andy. It's heady stuff. Yeah. We warned you up top. Too much. Uh, but hey, I've suffered enough brain damage already. What's a little more going to do, huh? Let's charge on. <laughs> Hinton concludes with some more thoughts on the end of the universe, but also touches on another topic we've covered, the Montauk Project. Uh, Hinton says, Is there another meaning to the end of time? Preston B. Nichols, a supposed whistleblower who wrote books detailing time travel experiments at the Montauk Air Force Base, claimed that they were never able to travel past 2012 because they could find no future beyond it. Uh, well, not entirely sure how much there is on this one. Uh, we covered the Montauk Project in our episode pretty thoroughly, and in Preston B. Nichols' book, The Montauk Project slash Experiments in Time, uh, in it he details how some of the kids experimented on were able to time travel to well past the year 6000 AD, where they found this crazy golden horse statue. You have to check out our episode on it for the whole enchilada. It's a wild one, baby. But anyway, 
we got to get to the skeptics take on this whole theory. The skeptics on this philosophy have this crazy kind of bullshit counterpoint, which is it's been nine years since 2012 and we're all still alive. So obviously the world didn't end. I mean, sometimes with topics like this and simulation theory, how can you really refute it other than we're still alive? It's just, we're still here. I mean, ask yourself, are you alive? Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately for you all, we're still, we're still here. We all know Eddie Vedder is here. Ooh, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. I forgot the tune. Ooh, Arnold, 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 Arnold. Oh, I'm still alive. Yeah, Those are my turn. Uh, more specifically, <laughs> even back in 2012, <laughs> Some skeptics took the 2012 doomsday prophecy pretty seriously. Consider one David Morrison, who is a space scientist at NASA, which honestly, space scientist is a pretty cool title. Yeah. Second only to porn historian and dinosaur bone extractor. And yes, that's a one job title. Think about it. It's a big job. <laughs> anyway, Morrison was a champion of trying to downplay the impending doom in December of 2012. He said, actually, on the NASA official YouTube channel in a video titled The Truth About 2012, that Nibiru and Planet X were nothing more than hoaxes per perpetuated by the Internet to make money. If these planets did exist and were going to enter our solar system. Then why haven't astronomers, amateur and professional alike, been tracking them for years? And on the so-called galactic alignment, he said that in December of every year, the sun is very close to the galactic center as seen from Earth. But this happens every year. So in his words, quote, there's nothing special about 2012, end quote. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but didn't he also say, quote, there's nothing special about 2012, much like there's nothing special about Andy and Art? I don't know. It could have been a glitch in the vid. Uh, I mean, I hear that a lot, Art, so it's hard to recall one exact specific time. Mm, very true. It's best just to, you know, ignore it and move Probably on. Probably just assume that he didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> Morrison goes on to downplay other doomsday 2012 claims, such as the magnetic poles reversing, massive solar flares damaging the earth, et cetera, et cetera. But Morrison ends his message with a, a positive, somber sentiment. Uh, he received tons of messages from people who were truly, really scared about the world ending. Some even considering taking their own lives. So he wanted to get out there and uh, tell the world not to be afraid of 2012. and Enjoy 2013. And what of the Mayan calendar? Well, apparently the Maya thought it was important enough to record events such as eclipses that would occur after December 21st, 2012 Common Era. So maybe they didn't think the world would end then. In fact, the Maya had a unit of time, the Alautun, which corresponds to about 63 million years, or 1.0.0.0.0.0.0.0. It's a one followed by seven zeros on the long count calendar. So they definitely had their eye on the future. There are apparently some other temple markings that seem to indicate that the long count calendar we described earlier may actually be a shorthand version of the calendar, as at least one temple puts the August 31st, 3114 BCE as... It's it's 2013. So I'm, I'm not going to... There's. I was considering going 13.13, 13, yeah. but it's 2013s followed by four zeros. Uh you That's get probably the for the best. You get the idea. It's a, it's a really long, it's really long. It's very long. Write 13, 20 times and then put four zeros at the end. And then you can, you feel like Andy said it to you. Yeah. Imagine it, my voice. Now, let's, dis let's discuss some skeptic claims on the Higgs boson. So, Higgs boson. 
I wish I could say things correctly, Bunk Bunkers. I'm sorry. I can't. It has been popular. It's been popular to do this, especially in 2012, to quote the late, great Stephen Hawking as saying that the discovery of the God particle, the Higgs boson, uh, would, quote, destroy the world. But much like eggheads everywhere, and even Andy, to an extent, they always talk about the potential of some catastrophic event. They never deal in absolutes. Only Siths deal in absolutes, Andy. <laughs> we know this. We know it. Because we're both Jedis. Yeah. Hawking was actually referencing the very scenario we described earlier, that the Higgs field or the Higgs potential could allegedly be in a metastable state and that it could potentially be full of potential energy, which could in turn, if exposed, would, yes, destroy us all in a super, super massive black hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawking does indeed... He actually published a paper about it shortly before he died. Have lots of theories on how the world will end if you want an uplifting read. But they're actually a little bit more in line with what McKenna has to say. You know, that we're kind of reaching this weird machine age end singularity thing. And, and actually much more in line with climate change and overpopulation and lack of resources and artificial intelligence. And whew, is it getting hot in here, Andy? Whew, I think I need a paper bag to breathe into. Whew. God, love the smell of paper bags. Yeah, <laughs> he's that's got, the only reason. He's got egg salad in there. Oh, I love egg salad. But as we said, the eggheads at CERN have no concern about their uh -huh. experiments causing massive black holes or destroying the universe. In some theoretical thought, if there was a Higgs field black hole expanding out there in the universe somewhere, let's say like a million light years away, it might not ever reach us <laughs> because the rate at which it expands may line up with the rate at which the universe expands. Thus, it would never catch up to us. <laughs> Fuck you, Higgsfield black hole. Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, otherwise, the only thing left for skeptics to say is that 2012 came and went as usual. And aside from various history channel, discovery channel shows cashing in on the public paranoia or that 2009 John Cusack film, uh, 2012, which depicts a massive doomsday scenario in 2012. 2012 was just another year. Hey, Andy, uh, even the Simpsons get in, got, the Simpsons Simpsons. got in, uh, got in on the fun of the Mayan calendar and the Higgs boson in the season 24, episode two, Treehouse of Horror 23 special. Andy, maybe you've seen it. The first minisode has all the Simpsons characters in the world of the ancient Maya. Homer is being fattened to be sacrificed, and Marge, in order to protect him, uses her scantily clad fucking bod. Uh, to trick Mo, because you know he wants to bone her, and he has right. for a long time, uh, into being decapitated instead of Homer. The ancient Mayan Professor Fink, one of my most disliked characters, wow. uh, big hot take, I know, calculates incorrectly, stating, by the way, that the Mayan calendar was base 10, when it was actually base 20, by the way. Not sure if that was some kind of joke, but um, otherwise it's actually incorrect. <laughs> uh, that the world A wizard end, did it. The world will end at what? A wizard did it. A wizard, what? Anytime you notice a... Uh, an error like that. A wizard did it. Ah, uh, you will eventually. <laughs> I'm not through season nine yet. Anyway, okay. Here we go. Uh, they basically, Professor Fink just calculates the world will end in 2012. Fast forward to 2012 in Springfield. Homer sets his watch to the 13th Bakhtun and opens the door for, uh, it's Halloween, and opens the door for trick-or-treaters, uh, which actually ends up being three giant Mayan statues or gods or, or something. I don't know. For some reason. Uh, even though this is basically the same thing as the season seven, episode six, Treehouse of Horror special six, Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores, where all the giant advertising mascot statues in Springfield destroy the, destroy the town. I mean, 
what the fuck, you know? <laughs> At least in the Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesores, they cram clever joke after clever joke based on the personalities of the mascots and the Simpsons characters. I mean, you have giant Mr. Peanut. He cracks open a car and eats the passengers like a peanut. Bart plays devil on the shoulder trope to the giant devil, uh, devil realty mascot, convincing him to destroy the school. That's really funny. And then the best bit of all, Chief Wiggum shoots a really tall basketball player thinking it was one of the giant monsters. Ah, he was turned into a monster. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was turning into a monster. Uh, the mind guys just kind of destroy shit. Like they just sort of break stuff and uh, they, you know, pulls up the Great Wall of China and they break stuff. And oh, I mean, God. I mean, they rip the heads off the Mount Rushmore and make them kiss. I guess that's kind of funny. But... <laughs> what have I created? I'm a large hard on collider who just pushed the Higgs artson into a black hole rant. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I'm not even going to bring up the Higgs boson part of the newer season because. Boy, that is a fucking shitty episode. But hey, that episode got nominated for an Emmy, so fuck me, right? What do I know? <laughs> just don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> so don't watch them. Don't watch them. Monsters. Well, to sound better coming from Paul Anka. <laughs> so here's my theory on 2012. Everything after 2012 hasn't been shit. Things prior to 2012 were fucking <laughs> terrible as well. Like the Simpsons post-season nine. Boom. Anywho, bone fuckers, that about wraps up this theory on the world ending after 2012. What do you think? Has everything after 2012 been utter shit? <laughs> Is the world racing towards the final singularity? Did our reality shift to a parallel one post-2012? As always, you can hit us up with any of your thoughts through email, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com or Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Well, bunk funkers, we hope you've enjoyed your time here today at Bunk. We crashed some theory particles and discovered the whole enchilada field on the theory that the world ended in 2012. And now it's time for you all to expel all that potential energy and enjoy a nice, stable vacuum state. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art debunked. Available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art. Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. so chilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of uh, the world ended after 2012. Woo! I need a flicking cigarette. I need uh, I need to forget some things like my name so I can make room for all this uh, 
Enchilada. Jesus Christ. Huh? Well, hey, bunkfuckers, did you think you were going to learn about the Higgs boson today? <laughs> boson? Did you ever expect this podcast to teach you anything? Did you learn anything, though, I guess, is the first thing. If you didn't learn anything, then fuck us. We didn't teach you anything. <laughs> Jeez, Andy, I mean... This is like the unified theory of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast, this topic, because it like weaves together so many things that we've already covered. True. You know, you got simulation theory, you got Mandela effect, you got Montauk project. You got almost, yeah, you got Mandela. I mean, you got everything, man. It's, it's, it's a wild ride from start to finish. Uh, I got a question for you, like right up front. Yeah, I think I know up. what you're going to say. Why I don't like Professor Fink? <laughs> no, I don't. I just don't like him. I get it. I mean, he's not... He's like a, he's so flanderized already. Right when they introduce him. Yeah. Just like, ugh. Can I just say this? I know, I'm sorry I cut you off, but can I just say this? You know the thing, like, okay, the later Simpsons episodes, yes, they have shitty writing. They're bad. They're not funny anymore. The voice acting gets so bad in the later seasons. I mean, awful. <laughs> awful voice, awful. The characters don't sound the same. You think so? Hundred percent. Homer is so different, so different. I mean, they all sound. It's the the, the voice acting. Hundred percent takes a dive in the later season. I'm sorry if anybody who works on The Simpsons or any of the voice cast listen to the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, those the seasons between two and nine are fucking beautiful. You're right. They uh there is they do go undergo some transformation. I guess it's like I watched you know, I've obviously seen more episodes You've seen a lot more Simpsons than, than where you are in the series right now. So it's like they do change. Yeah. Like and yeah, it is different. Like those middle It gets worse. They're not as um spry, I think, like as nimble right. in the acting. I, I I mean but I mean, to me, frankly, it kind of matches the writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right like the writing is Very not true. as clever so the acting isn't that doesn't need to be as man uh, talk about something that need is a fucking super massive black hole to just suck it away yeah you talking about my dick yeah I'm, i am talking about your exposed penis which you love to stick in a vacuum tube yeah vacuum i want it to tube. be in a vacuum state you know those uh vacuums that look like the little faces and they have like the nose of the vacuum is is the hose of yeah. the vacuum you fucked a couple of those, haven't you? I've fucked an elephant. <laughs> an elephant. They're, they're elephant vacuums. Yeah, you fucked a lot of those, huh? Yeah, I fucked a lot of things. What were you going to ask me? <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Did no. you actually forget? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. No, I remember. I remember. Okay. I think I know the answer to this. Uh, and just to prove that I think I know the answer, you're going to say, no, not really. Um... Do you actually think that things have gotten shittier since 2012? No. Yeah. I don't either. I think these have always been shit. Yeah, I think I agree. You know, I... Shit's relative. I tend to agree with the idea that there's more stuff happening, but I think that that's also a really broad overstatement of things because I mean like there were I mean human populations even in the ancient past were huge like nothing like we have today but 
you know, po human population like hit a hit a point and then dropped off. And then it's it's risen back up from there. So it's like there was a drop in population. So like at one point there were I mean like we're talking millions of people in in large cities uh on the globe, ancient people like there was lots going on. Like I mean it's hard to sit here and say like with all of like the history of that we know about I think that's part of the thing is we lose so much information over the passage of time because there weren't good recordation methods. Now we have better, so much better ways of tracking and knowing about everything globally all the time. I mean, you brought up, I mean, the example in the thing, I never heard of that. What was it? The bombing, the black World Tom, War, the black Tom bombing. I've never heard of that. Uh, that's news to me. Um, so it's like, that was a while ago, but that's a thing that happened that I just don't know about. Just because I don't know about it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that it's... There's a lot of stuff going on in what you just said. Yeah, but I think that people are are reductive in their, in when they say something like that. Uh, that, oh, there's, there's more going on. Like, yes, society is advancing. I understand the idea that we're approaching some singularity of human and technology. Like, that is, that is happening, sure. But that doesn't mean that there's more stuff happening. Yes, evolution is sped up for humans. But is there any evidence that it's sped up for other animals? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, unless it's through environmental change that we inflict on other animals, it's not necessarily like that the rate of evolution increased. It's that we have changed fundamentally the 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 environment around us because of our technological advancement. And that gives us, uh, you know, ability to travel and change our genetic pool much more quickly than any time in the past. And that's going to just continue to happen. So evolution is going to keep going, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there are more total events. It's just that we have better awareness. I mean, in the past, there was no internet. Like the internet, social media, like instantaneous communication across the globe, it makes you so much more aware of everything all at once. But if this was happening in... I don't know, the year like 2500 BC, there would still be stuff. They would people, if people had the internet, they would still talk about things. It's not like people would be saying, oh, there's nothing happening. Nothing happened today. That nobody would say that because stuff does happen. Um, I think I actually disagree with you. Yeah, I see but I also, your, I also, I also agree with you in some ways. Okay. But you, you put a lot of shit into that. All right. Yeah. Statement. I crammed a lot into that. Like, uh, we, like okay, AI, like we got to talk about that in a minute. We got to talk about uh, like the Black Tom thing and like that bringing up examples of stuff we didn't know happened, like and saying it's like a Mandela effect, which I want to talk about as well. But the idea of the events, I think I disagree with you. I think I think there was less stuff happening back then. Like you think like I think what McKenna's trying to get at, and I'll be honest, I kind of wrote off McKenna at first. I was like, okay, fucking goddamn hippie, fucking hippie. Fucking with your, your you, you, you use big words, David Foster Wallace ass motherfucker. Yeah. Don't talk like me, a fucking dummy who says fuck too much and shit. I have a potty mouth. He's got these big ass fucking words that's totally undigestible to me. Like you, brainiac, <laughs> dirigible from last week. Oh, we're still undirigible. All the other fucking words you've put in scripts over the years that I don't know how to pronounce and you don't give me a pronunciation. <laughs> hey, I've learned, I've grown. I gave you I give you so many pronunciations now. 
True, you have. You have grown. Um, I just didn't know nah, you. Nah, if you listen to Terrence McKenna talk, it's like, is such an academic. Like, uh, you just roll your eyes. She's like, get to the fucking point. <laughs> Shut up. These big words. Epoch. Just say the fucking point in time when it's all going to come crashing to a halt. It's reaching its peak. <laughs> Dork. Um, I was going to write him off, but honestly, the more I listened to him talk, I was kind of like, I, I think I kind of agree with it. It's like, I think it's all kind of relative. Like, he's like, you got to map like the whole span of the universe. Like a billion year goes, years ago, there was fucking nothing. He's talking about like, yeah, if true. you map like where human civilization starts, it's like an exponential graph. Like it is like whoosh, like number of events, just shit happening. Major cataclysmic events. Like mm -hmm. he's talking about like bombings are here, like all the wars. Think about all the wars that have happened, even just in the modern 20th century. Like, the major all of the major events with those and like oh christ i mean it's just a lot but then it's like for the vast majority of the existence of the universe i mean this is nothing going on there's nothing it's fucking particles just running around i mean maybe like one two fused and that was like an event there's one one event happened two of them banged they gave off some shit and then suddenly helium existed no shit now helium's here Let's hang out for a billion years, helium, and get to know you. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you think about it relative like that, it's like, I think there are more events. But I want to say this. I, I think there are more events happening now because of social media and because of the internet. We could say like, oh, yeah, well, if the internet and social media was back in ancient Egyptian times, but it's like it wasn't. People weren't as connected. That's fair. The vast majority of people lived their short little lives. They just lived, bor were borthed. <laughs> educated maybe if they were lucky worked died maybe had kids that was your life nothing major and they didn't know about things happening in greece they didn't know about things happening in rome i don't know if those happened at the same time i don't care or india or china or america canada <laughs> which didn't exist <laughs> but you know what i'm saying it's like we do have the internet now we have to say about this like in the present terms it's like I do actually think more things happen now because of the internet. Like because we're more connected now than ever before, because information can travel so fucking fast. You, you, we hear about things happening in Syria. We hear about things happening in fucking China. You hear about things happening in Taiwan. You hear about things happening in Japan and North Korea. It's like, I mean, even just even 30 years ago, Andy, you'd have to like go out, Find a radio, a TV, or a newspaper to get that info. Maybe, if you were lucky. If they if they decided to do a story on it. Now, it's too much. <laughs> we're too connected. But you could get it constantly, at any moment, whenever you want, forever, at all times. You could sit on a toilet all day long and I read do. everything everywhere that has ever happened ever. I do. I mean, the amount of data that even just goes into YouTube every day is like, I think, more data that has ever been uploaded ever in the human history, ever. Or something crazy. It's some crazy stat like that. And I do think because of that, more events are happening today because people know more things. That's what I, that's my argument with that. So okay. you don't like the idea that there's more events happening, but I think there are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull an inverse art here and agree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you, but also agree with you. <laughs> uh, so first of all, on McKenna, I think that that's a very humanist view of the universe i don't think that most astrophysicists would say yeah this <laughs> nothing fucking happened for a billion years like 
there's there's things happening. It's just that humans didn't exist. And so McKenna's sort of writing that off as being nothing happened. Yeah. You know, because we don't have any empathy or relation to subatomic particles. They're just pieces that's the of the Higgs boson. We want to give it a little kiss. Yeah, we want to give it a, that's one that's cute, adorable. I want to make sure it's comfy. Um but that's that's my my feeling on that is that that's very human focused uh and you know obviously if you if you draw it like that and you say oh over the course of human over the course of history of our universe humans occupy just about a blip barely even you know like if you were like drawing lines to represent hundreds thousands of years like humanity doesn't even like you need a microscope to see it you know yeah exactly it's it's so insignificant in the the span of the universe but it doesn't mean that the universe is immaterial i mean we, I mean, like our sun is more than four billion years old, like, right? He's got a big, long gray beard. I haven't talked to him in a while. He never calls. He never calls. <laughs> Ever since he moved out to college. <laughs> You're right. Yes, our sun is fucking ancient. Yeah, and so, and, and so it was. It was existing. It was doing stuff. I mean, it was. But like, are those major events? You I know? think. I think if they didn't happen, you know, we would certainly have appreciated it. But how do you define if it's a major event? I, I guess I don't know. Because I guess that's we didn't a very look humanist, that up. you know, angle yeah. on it too to say major event. Uh, new stars coming into existence. I mean, that's a major event. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think old though, stars dying out. That's a major event. But Black how holes. long does that take? Yeah, I mean, it takes a long time. And then you think about like how long it just takes for like in the example we said like an idea. But to to like flip this on its ear, you know, if we say like. A major stuff happens every day now. Like every day there's a major story on Earth. Right. To the universe, everything major here is pointless and insignificant. If there was an extraterrestrial race, do you think that they would care even a little bit about anything that happened here? No, I mean if if we if take they could the travel to the... scale into consideration, yeah. like they would be beyond us. Yeah, I mean our major events would seem beyond insignificant. Like it would be so insignificant for them not even to be, I mean, like didn't didn't Hawking even say that it's like the anthill theory that extraterrestrials would probably just pass over us because we're so insignificant. Yeah, in our development, if they truly could travel across the stars like the way that we often depict, they can. Yeah, their level of technology would be so far beyond ours. They would. They would be. It would be inconceivable if we found a planet that was populated by, like little critters from the book series the little critter book if it was a world populated by those i imagine them looking like the the old mcdonald's commercial where they had the little chicken mcnuggets <laughs> those two the the mcnugget kids are there yeah. fry kids um if we found a planet that was populated by that stuff would we say like oh we would say nothing happens there right like it yeah. would be really insignificant like that's the difference like we would probably be like oh this is interesting but we wouldn't be like, wow, there's lots of stuff happening here. We'd be like, oh, it's just a bunch of goddamn animals. And that's probably what extraterrestrials would be like to us. So that's yeah, that's on McKenna. Uh, let's see. What was the next thing <laughs> you brought up? Uh, I don't know. The, the internet? Uh, yeah, I guess. Because we're connected through the internet, more events are happening. I agree with you on that point. And I agree with you that, yes, it's it's probably me arguing in bad faith like I usually do to say that if they had the internet back then, but they didn't. Right. So you can't really react to that. Although I would also challenge the idea that everybody is super connected to everything. Like I do think that there are some people and I don't think an insignificant portion of people who uh, live their lives today. They maybe are educated. 
and then they just kind of work and then they die. Like I for sure. I don't think that it's like it's most people don't live that way. Like I think that's a lot of people actually. And I'm not judging that as a lifestyle. I'm just saying like I don't think everybody is a newsmaker. No. Not, Every, not I mean, everybody's like involved but in these major even events. even not even 30 years ago, even 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't know what kind of haircut Grimes gave her and Elon Musk's baby. <laughs> but because it's today, I know that she gave it a Viking haircut. Yeah. I don't know why I fucking need to know that. You don't. I don't want to get uh, started on a rant, uh, but oh, I, he's I'm on the very verge. close to he's the on edge. the verge. And I'm about to break out of the little room to breathe. <laughs> he's on the edge, people. I was about to get into a rant about how much I hate Twitter and I think it's bad for society. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to. But that, we got other stuff we got to talk about. But that's my that's my thinking is that there's, you know, it's like if you if you if you put humanity in the scale of the universe, you also have to like think about events on a universal scale. And like we've had almost no impact on the universe. True. We've almost ruined the planet we live on, but we haven't had no impact beyond that. I, I think about, though, like if you think about like people who make policy or policymakers. I mean, the amount of like, you can just get like a story instantly, whereas even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, in 2000, it would have to be like a, a, you would have to like go get intel and there have to be a major event and then it would take a little while to like generate a response. And now it's just like, you got to respond like instantly, instantly, tweet, 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 fucking TV, live video stream, you know? Yeah. It's like, fuck, it's exhausting. Yeah. And we're kind of at this weird apex where it's like we were there at the start of the end almost. I don't want to say it like that, but you and I both remember what it was like to not have internet. <laughs> we were yeah. born before Google existed. Yeah. And we saw, like, we got to see the, what is essentially like an almost new industrial revolution with the internet and the way that it just exploded and social media and how they've literally changed the world in the last couple span of years. Yeah, I mean... It, your kid's not going to understand that. No. Well, I mean... To a degree. He will, but he won't. I mean, like... He'll read about it in the history books. That's the thing. The rate of change is just going to keep increasing. I mean, yeah. that's the thing is, like, the more the more computing power we can apply to our problems means the faster that society advances. And that's just, that's just the way it is. It's like humans by themselves the can only do so much, you know? 100%. There's a limit to our brains. There's a limit to what we can accomplish. But now that we have machines that can, you know, exponentially increase our power to solve problems, like society is just going to continue to change faster and faster. We've talked about this just by ourselves, like just chit-chatting, you know, having yeah. a little chit-chat. You know how we do. A little tea we time chit-chats. We, we have a lot of uh, really depth philosophical conversations when we talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Real philosophical. It's mostly me fucking yelling and screaming and ranting about <laughs> something stupid and going, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Yep. That's about it. Me being like, Subway, they're not even a foot long. They're actually 11 inches longer. <laughs> yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> he cut the bread wrong on purpose. <laughs> and Andy kind of goes, ah, I just I just like the tuna. I just buy two sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> now, neither of us eat at Subway. No, I don't. I can't do it anymore. I used I mean, to do it in college. No offense to you if you like Subway, but I mean, you should think about your other options. I mean, Potbellies. If, if if worse comes to worse and you don't have a better sandwich shop in your area, I mean, like, yeah. really consider 
you know, just, you know, making your own sandwich. Because mm-hmm. you can make some pretty good sandwiches at home. That being said, um, the fucking, uh, Subway has some good shit sometimes. Man. <laughs> There's something about that fucking cheesy bread. That you like the cheesy bread? old Italian herb and cheese bread. God Italian damn. herb and cheese? Yeah, herb and cheese. Um, fuck. Okay, so... Uh, what you did know, we chit-chat about? Oh, artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. You know, you and I are both... I'd like I to think, get some of that. Yeah, I'd love some. Please. I'm so dumb and so slow. <laughs> um... I mean, I think we both are kind of in agreement that there we are marching towards and likely we'll see in both of our lifetimes a what I think can only be called like a third or fourth industrial revolution where society uh, basically is a workless society. Yeah. Almost entirely automated by um, computers. Yeah. Humanity has to prepare for the. I mean, almost certainty that machines will, you know, in not that in the not so distant future, no, do most like jobs that are now done by human beings. This post work society, like, you know, I I remember um, reading about something about uh, when driverless cars were being um, designed because. The driverless car is one of these things that sort of fundamentally changes like a really common system that exists in human society in transportation. Because if you take away the need for an individual to drive, you also take away the need for an individual to own a car. We already have these systems in place, things like Uber or Lyft, where you can get on demand a ride. Now, today, obviously, a person has to come in a car and get you, but... If there is just a fleet of cars, driverless cars that can be at the ready and can like schedule trips, you know, like pick you up, do a pool thing, yeah. like, you know, do all the calculations, get the they best They would have route. the most optimized routes. There's no need. Nobody has to buy a car, which means yeah. it changes that aspect, but it changes so many other aspects. Design of our cities. You no longer have to really account for roadways because- you you won't you would change the traffic flow significantly. The the AI controlled cars would be way more optimized. You you take out the human element, which is road rage, like you have. Um, <laughs> you take out road rage. You take out drunk drivers. You would take out mm-hmm. um, fucking you know people who don't check their blind spot and just you take out traffic jams. Traffic jams because the, cars the, cars could drive a hundred miles an hour. Yep. And there would never be if if this you know technology is optimized, every car could drive a hundred miles an hour mm-hmm. and bumper to bumper because as only as much space as it takes for the car to safely stop. Right. And because they would be undoubtedly like connected to the grid of like traffic control devices, theoretically that should eliminate all all traffic. It would be significantly lower than it is with human drivers. Because you, that's wouldn't even, my argument. you wouldn't even really need a stoplight. I mean, it's just like the cars, one no. car would slow up and the other car just get, and then they would just Well, go. for crosswalks. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be the only thing is like pedestrians. But then even I, then, yeah. you would probably not have a crosswalk on the street. Yeah, you'd have a- uh, You would probably do something different. Yeah, like have a uh, like a fun little obstacle course. Yeah. 
like survivor style. A ninja, American Ninja American Warrior. American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. We're city planners. That's right, our city. Right. That's our big idea. In American Ninja Warrior City. <laughs> In all of the American Ninja Warrior cities. No, we we both agree on that. And you you proposed that idea to me. And I was like, wow. And I guess you're right. I mean, I still think there will be people who will own cars. Obviously, you have Jay Leno. I mean, he's going to live forever, and he's got a huge fucking garage. Yeah, Jay Leno's yeah. garage? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there will still be drivers, but, you know, it would be very interesting to say, where will those drivers go? Will, right? they, have to, will they have to, like, have their car shipped to a special roadway? A place where they can drive, like a track? Isn't it? So, I mean, I guess the question is, you know... Because they couldn't be on the road with no, the driver. they could not. They would no. fuck everything up. No. Everything would have to change for yep. even one person right. driving their own car. Right. I mean, obviously, I think that's a little still a little far in the future. But Right, right. Um, I think within at least five to ten years, you're going to have a ton of self-driving cars. Self-driving trucks. Yeah. Um, which, again, is going to bring about, I don't know, I guess if, it depends on your, opti- uh, your, out- your outlook. Either you're an optimist or not. Uh, could bring about a... Akira style dystopia where, uh, you know, people are fucking out of work and there's just nothing. To, and it's just a fucking hellscape because uh, there's no more truck drivers and mm-hmm. you can't also be a cashier. Limited, limited, like required skills right. to, to get into the job. Right. Uh, like, limited a, like a job, job that has, I hate to say low skill because I think that's very demeaning, but jobs where you don't need a lot of prerequisite skills. You don't need like hired. higher level education to do certain jobs. Right. Like, obviously, you still need a CDL license, but it's right. like, you know, But, like, being a cashier is something that pretty much anybody could do if they have a basic, like, right. concept of math and social. And know rights. how to hold their tongue. Right. <laughs> Dealing with fucking assholes. Yeah. But, I mean, like again. Like me when I go into Subway. Yeah, like, like us when we go into Subway and we fucking, we hit the sneeze guard and we point and then we put our finger over. I, I, I stick my, my finger. under the sneeze guard. <laughs> I go out of my way. You're like a little ferret. Yeah. You dig your head in. And you, you actually, instead of pointing, you use your tongue and you lick the things that you want. You're like, eh, I want the salami right here. <laughs> Only grab the things that I licked. Leave the rest. <laughs> oh, oh, so yeah. I want all these olives. all the lettuce. <laughs> You've licked all the lettuce. We have to put it all on the sandwiches. You said as much vegetables as I want. Put the whole tub of lettuce on my sandwich. Don't fucking lie to me, Shannon. Shannon at Subway? Yes. <laughs> You're scaring me. Here, have a fresh baked cookie. <laughs> I want to swim in the marinara meatball tub. I want to swim in it, Sharon. Put me inside the marinara. <laughs> Dosed me. Do I look like a meatball? I think so. <laughs> Dunk me in your marinara. Line me up with the other plastic dough in the mold and put me in the toaster. Set me to 420 degrees. Lay me down on that weird black rectangle that you put into the toaster oven. <laughs> Pour me into the foozy tea, which is inevitably out of order. Always. <laughs> Something wrong with Just that. call me Fruitopia. <laughs> Make me into a Subway pizza. <laughs> oh, I've not about that for a long time. <laughs> Oh, oh good lord introduce me to jared <laughs> i know you're hiding him i know he's here i, I didn't even start working he was off the, he's been off the campaign for like he's 10 been, years he's been in prison all the whole time i've been here tell me sharon where are you hiding jared i know he's behind the tomatoes <laughs> show yourself jared bring me to the walk-in freezer sharon um, but 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 we are i mean and these if these you know 
I mean, we are on the cusp of a new industrial revolution. And I don't know. I don't think the outlook looks good. I think yeah. it's going to be bad. Well, you know, I mean, it's there's there has to be changes. And, you know, there's already been some discussion. Like, I mean, to me, I would love to see what the alternative solutions are. But, you know, some form of universal basic income seems to be the way that that societies will like push forward is by like ensuring that people don't have to work. I mean, in a way, it's kind of uh, it's kind of a nice thought. Like you see a bleak outlook, but I see a society where unencumbered by the necessity to work, <laughs> people are free to, um, you know, pursue passions. Uh, they're free to create. They're free to do things that make them happy instead of the things that help them survive. I see a bleak outlook because of the pushback against allowing well, that yeah, to I mean, exist. I mean, people don't. Not because I think that I think that existence sounds fucking dope. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd love to like you know, be able to follow a passion project and not have to worry about, I don't know, nine to fives, but. Well, you know, it's like, it's like, think about all these people who like take something that a lot of people like to do, like cooking, like think how many like cooking hobbyists there are, or like, you know, I know people who have like backyard smokers. They love to smoke meat and it's like, oh, oh. You know, it's like, oh, it's my dream. I, I know open. other backyard smokers, but they do a different. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you could do that too. <laughs> UBI, you could just smoke weed and all day. But, uh, you know, like people who like, you know, are like, oh, I would love to like open my own like barbecue restaurant. It's like, yeah. you know, this would give them an opportunity to like perfect their craft, save money uh, at the same time while also, you know, being able to like pursue that dream. In whatever way seems fit, and they don't have to like necessarily give up security. The the scary part is the transitional generations that are in between. These, <laughs> yeah, these revolutions. Uh, like you know, you think about the people who are going to lose their jobs because of artificial intelligence, and they can't, they don't really have a means to acquire a new higher higher skill position. Yeah. Um. You know, you think about the people who like what will happen in the world where it's like, I mean, yeah, like transitioning to a workless society where it's like, oh, I just guess nobody works anymore. Like, this is fucking weird. Like, yeah, you know, like the people are who people are born into that. That'll be fine. But it's like for other people who've been working their whole lives, that's going to feel very weird because human beings, I think. And maybe that maybe it's just an American thing. I don't know, but I think that we tie our identities to our work a lot. It's it's American, but I think also that human beings just naturally like crave routine. And yes. for us in this country, I mean, work your job is the routine, right? Like that's that's the thing you do more than anything is your job, right? Like, and so that becomes like your routine. So people feel, I think, very comforted by that because it's 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 safe, you know. It's like it's the thing that. You don't have to think about it. It just makes sense. It's just there. It's something that you can always count on. Um, did you remember the Higgs and the fucking Mayan shit all going on in 2012? Um, I remember that shit. Yeah, I remember the Higgs. I remember. The, I re, I remember the Mayan thing like for sure, because you know me. I am. Uh, I I was at the time almost certainly uh, watching my ancient aliens on. History Channel. Oh yeah, they went fucking. So I was probably deep, that shit. deep into that. Um, well, not deep into it, but because you know, I'm not like I was like, oh, I don't. This doesn't seem so well founded. It's like you said, like it's just entertaining. It just depends on the calendar that you look at, and sure, it's like I also questioned the calculations. Like I'm no egghead, so I don't know. But it's like 
we're we're t- taking their calendar, which in no way relates to other than like the fact that time is all a thing that we all experience pretty much the same. Right. There's way Gregorian calendar, Julian calendar. <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean, taking a calendar, like yeah. I mean, you know that. I I don't know. It's just like I don't know the underpinnings of their calendar and how you would like sync that up with uh, a modern Gregorian calendar. Um, another thing that we talked about at length on the show. Oh, uh, that's right. Whatever that phantom time. How about there you go. That's the name of it. Um, so I don't know. I question all that, but I, I, I remember that. I remember the Higgs boson. I mean, I'll be honest. Like I never understood really the Higgs boson. I didn't uh, and I only marginally understand it better now after all of the information, uh, in this episode. Um, I don't know how they found it. Like I'm not, I don't understand how you would even think about it. I think they crashed particles into each other and then like took a photo or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all that CERN does is just like smash shit together. Yeah. See what happens. (laughs) Smash it together. Fucking see what happens. But I don't know how you extract particle. Like I think they shoot laser beams, but it's like, how does like, I don't know. I'm not even going to try. Yeah. And it like, they like, they like fire like an ionized beam of, of, of light. Mm Mm-hmm. Through the through the particles and then like there's like a thing on the back that like catches them or whatever I don't yeah. know I mean something like that these are people that are so much smarter than me that it's I, I can't even I can't comprehend how it's inconceivable it's inconceivable <laughs> Wallace Sean on the bottom on the puddle I'm doing four to seven beers. Oh, it's me, Meat Rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's up? Anybody run a peanut? Rylock? Choke? Wait, are you doing Meat Wad or Andre the Giant? <laughs> 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 anyway, um, um, I don't know. I mean, did the world end in 2012? I, it's simulation theory. You know, we haven't touched it in a long ass time. Yeah, I feel like when we talked about it before, oh, that's we were, right. We were kind of of the way of like, we were kind of thinking along the lines of like, we might be, but we, I mean, like, who knows? Like, I think we said we spent some a lot bullshit. of time talking about the morality. Of, yeah, like, we said like we might people. be, but it doesn't matter if we are because you shouldn't. It, it's not an excuse to be a be a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about a little bit about quickly some of the Mandela effects that were listed in the Twitter thread, like the Black Tom thing. Yeah, it's like. Sometimes I have a problem with some of these Mandela effects where it's like, well, why didn't I hear about this in school? And it's kind of like, I don't know. I didn't fucking hear anything about it either. It's, I mean, fucking this, U.S. history, they always skip World War One. This gets to my point. It goes straight to World War Two. This gets to my point um, about there's always stuff going on. It's like you didn't hear about it because there's, you don't have enough time to learn everything. Yeah. Like you shouldn't expect that you heard every event like World War One and World War Two, like you know, you shouldn't expect that you know everything about everything, right? Or anything, everything about anything, and and then stuff like that, I do have a problem with because then people say like, this is a Mandela effect because this didn't used to exist. It's like just because you didn't know about it doesn't mean that it didn't exist before. Like just because that guy didn't know about Svalbard doesn't mean that Svalbard never existed before he heard about it. Like that, it's so. <laughs> Stupid to me. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Of... I'm going to get on a rant. No, and I know. Yeah, go, go on your rant. I know I recently made a comment that I was going to empathize more with people, but God damn it. Like, just because you don't know something doesn't mean that it fucking is indicative of uh, like 
a change in the fundamental fabric of the universe. Like, yeah. like I don't know a ton of fucking shit. It doesn't mean when I learn about it, I go, oh, well, God damn it. I didn't know about that before. How is this possible? The world has changed. There's a glitch in the matrix. It's like, no, I'm just a fucking inattentive piece of shit. <laughs> you are an inattentive piece of shit. I'm always trying to park my car in your valet and you're never there. You're so fucking inattentive. How do I get my car keys back? I don't know. <laughs> I lost them. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree with you. I, I always kind of roll my eyes when I see Mandela effect examples like that, where it's just like, well, and like, people, people U.S. Like, history class, you don't learn about it in school because they skip World War One because it's a fucking really depressing, sad fucking time in history. And they want to go to World War Two where everything's like hunky dory because everyone's fighting Hitler. Yeah. And they want to talk about the A-bomb and then they got to get to some stuff in Vietnam, which they also skip around. And then they kind of talk about some other things and then they go, ah, Bill Clinton and uh, final exam. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and all the history textbooks I had in the early 2000s. Came out in the 90s. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and I think there is like some what of a recency bias. And, you know, obviously it's like the victors write the history. I mean, as as depressing as that is. Yeah. Like, I do think that the way that I mean, I can only speak as a, a, as a person who is a citizen of the United States, because that's where I was educated, that curriculums, history curricula are like structured in such a way to paint this country in a very positive light, generally. And we're not the only place that does that. A yeah. lot of places do that. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about the Black Tom bombing. Like, I don't know what the circumstances of it are. Like, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was a big event. I mean, if it was the largest explosion, like, outside of the nuclear bombs. Sounds like a, I mean, I'm, I don't lack of a better word, neat piece of weird history. Yeah, it's like everybody knows probably about the Lusitania. Yeah. Like that's that's World War One that you learn about. Um, but I mean, I don't know the particulars of it. Like, I don't know why it's not covered. I don't know why that wouldn't be. Again, there's only so much time in a school year that you get to cover these things. Uh, and you also get some sort of conceptualization about world history, like at a very general high level. True. Um, I don't know, unless you take like a specialized history course on it. I don't I don't know that you would get that that in depth, like. I mean, and this is coming from somebody who like fucking beats off to history. Yeah, I like masturbate to pictures of Ben Franklin because I draw him in little like <laughs> well, bikinis. He's very sexy. I draw him in bikinis. Yeah, I mean, he looks hot in those bikinis. Um, and then like the bikinis actually have flags on the nipples that go up in the sky, and he's actually getting his nipples shocked. Yeah, and it's it's hot stuff. It's I've hot stuff. It. <laughs> it's very my Ben Franklin Rule Thirty Four. Oh yeah. Um, I also think that like misconceptions about things, like thinking that the Statue of Liberty is on Ellis Island, like yeah. conflating Liberty Island and Ellis Island. Like it's not a Mandela effect just because you are confused. Like your confusion doesn't mean that everybody's confused or that, you know, you're the only one who spots it. Like, I, you know, Mandela effect has a lot of this like confirmation bias, especially with the internet. Like people have this kind of like delusional type of way of thinking where it's like, I must have like found something. I stumbled onto something because I don't really remember it that way. Yeah. And my memory is absolutely perfect in every possible way. <laughs> and it's like, well, you've never been wrong about anything. Like, and obviously as we learned in that episode, like memory is very fallible. Like your memory is not a tried and true record. 
even of your own life, even of things that recently happened to you, because it can change for so many different reasons. Like, we're not even talking. We're talking about facts. We're not even talking about when people shift shit to suit their own emotions. <laughs> yeah. You retell a fucking story to make yourself look like, I don't know, like a buff hogged out Chad. And it's like you fucking cried yourself to sleep. I mean, yeah. it's like whatever. You sucked your thumb and <laughs> cried for your mommy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any specific examples of that that came out in recent memory, but... I mean, it's like people, it's like the difference between saying I went to Subway and ordered a turkey sandwich and then later saying I went to Subway and I fingered all the olives and took a shit in the soda machine. Like, you know, yes, you actually did the latter. Like just because you choose to remember the former doesn't mean that there's some glitch in the matrix. It's like you've, you clearly were disgusted at your behavior because you forgot to get a meatball while you were shitting in the soda machine. I've been watching a lot of like true crime analysis of um certain like you know it's a lot of like like there was they did um Casey Anthony and then there was an episode on Jody Arias yeah you remember them yeah they both killed their boyfriends or or Casey Anthony killed her kid right but they like when they're being interrogated by the police they just sit there and fucking i mean it's lie 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 and they literally craft a story in their head that you're like oh you delusionally believe that because mm-hmm. your brain won't comprehend that you were ever wrong ever Right. I mean, obviously, that's an extreme example. These are people who are like, I thought it was spelled Febreze. Right, right. I mean, is, you know, yeah, JC Penny. It's like, yeah, they're not they're not on Casey Anthony's level, but right. it's it's that same thing of like, you know, you can convince yourself of a lot of things. You you understand it because like the idea of going to jail is terrifying and like means you have to accept your own flaws and guilt and yeah. delusional psychos don't want to do that. Yeah. They just want to murder their boyfriends and kids. I know. I murdered my boyfriend. <laughs> we've all, I mean, we've murdered a lot of boyfriends. Right. That's what boyfriends are for. Yeah. It's like, give me your sweatshirt and your boyfriend pants. Yeah. And then. I'm going to murder you. And then I'm going to throw you in a trash compactor. <laughs> I mean, Jesus it's Christ. happened to my boyfriends. I've done it to my wife's boyfriends. Like, <laughs> nobody is safe. Um, I don't know. There's so much to really Get this stuck is a big on old topic, yeah. Is, yeah, there's a lot to get stuck on here. I mean, you know, did the world end? I do feel like the world, that, that like, th- there is some part, I think it's half and half. I know that's bullshit, but the, 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 it does feel like the world is speeding up. That is a little bit of growing up. But also, it's like, social media has really taken off and got, like, do you remember even, like, I mean, even, like, seven or five years ago, like, Twitter was just a joke. It was a stupid website where people, no one signed up. There was like not that many people on it. You like celebrities would kind of post stupid bullshit. Nobody took it seriously. Remember Twitter? Nobody took it seriously. It was like Facebook's redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Facebook was the serious one. Yeah. And now look at how the rules are reversed. Now all of a sudden, because then Twitter started accepting brand advertisement, their stock shot up exponentially they suddenly became this like people go to twitter for like fucking breaking news it's like what the fuck how does that paradigm shift and it does feel like things are happening faster now because there's a fucking story every minute with these news sites and and twitter and everything it's like oh god oh fuck and i'm not even on it well you know i mean i think part of that too is like is driven by our own behavior not necessarily driven by the that there's more stuff to show us. I think it's driven by the fact that there are people who obsess 
over this. And I mean, it's kind of a vicious cycle. Like it is, you know, now media has the platform to do stuff like this, but people gobble it up. They do. So there's no reason for them to stop trying to make everything a big deal. I, mean, I have a problem with steroids. Yeah. Because you gobble them up. I gobble them up. Yeah. And I'm fucking 10 feet wide by 10 feet tall. Yeah. No, it's it's the same thing with steroids. We we love to see athletes hit fucking big ass home runs, but we don't want to hear that Mark McGuire took steroids. Yeah. It's like, mm, well. Yeah. Don't if you don't or or we love we we hate to we don't get why these athletes make so much fucking money. But it's like, well, you fucking pay money to go see them. Right. Stop. Yeah. Stop supporting them. Yeah. No, it's true. Stop watching on TV. <laughs> stop watching MTV. On TV, I said. Oh, stop watching on But TV. stop watching MTV too. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what they show anymore. Uh so I think I think I think it's just a big cycle and it's like it's driven a lot by our own desire for the to consume these things. So, you know, in one sense it's like you could say, yeah, there's net more like news stories and stuff, but at the same time it's like I think uh there's more pressure on media because of the changing channels of delivery, there's more pressure on media to. There's more channels now than ever before yeah. that they have to compete with. And there's more there's more demand for them to like be first to report something. And so it's like, you know, whereas before when it was mostly print journalism, there were probably, you know, more measured takes on things because you had more time. Yeah, you had like a whole day to get to something. Yeah. And then now you have to like, you just have to, you have to tweet out whatever it is as fast as possible. Yeah. So, the headline, even if it's fucking speculation. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just to make, and then, and then people will take the speculations and they'll craft them into a story right. and not mention that it's just like some asshole on Twitter, like saying, like, I don't know, maybe it happened. I don't know. Wow. Whatever. I was wrong. Big deal. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how many times are you scrolling through something and you click on a news story and you find out that the source for the news story is just somebody on Twitter. It's like, well, to me, that's not a source. Like, no. that's not a very good source. Like, unless this person is very credible, right, and always tweets stuff like this from their Twitter account, like, then to me, it's not. This a very happens good source. constantly in sports journalism, as yeah. you and I both know. It's a good example of the yeah. economy. It's For like, sure. you know, you have certain sports journalists who are just going to say the wildest, crazy shit, and then you have others who are like, you usually trust them because they've built up their sources over the years, and they haven't really ever been that wrong about stuff. So when they say that, you know. Matthew Stafford is going to the Rams in a blockbuster 2021 trade. They mean it. Yeah. When Schefter tweets that out, when Adam Schefter <laughs> tweets it out, then then I'm like, oh, shit, this yeah. is real. But if. Which is good for the Rams. I mean, if I don't know, I don't know who like else I would compare that to as somebody yeah, who's, who's lacking. Uh, OK, so on the Chicago Bulls, there's a beat reporter called Nick Friedel, who I don't care for. Oh, yeah. Nick Friedel. I don't like him and I don't think he reports. I think he has like a hard on for he would it. It, this was a lot during like the D Rose years. He like had a hard on against the Bulls, mm -hmm. and so you uh, would always throw his shit out the door. Um, but then other people, you'd be like, "All right, they trust their shit." Yeah. Or um, Woj. Woj used to be like the big fucking name in basketball, mm -hmm. but then like he started getting shoddy with some of his callouts. Like he he started being a little shitter. Oh really? I think so. And I think oh. his his stock declined. Huh. So well. Let's let's short squeeze him. Let's short squeeze his little balls, little Woj balls. Um, I mean, I guess we got to kind of get we're to gonna, it here. We're gonna do the stock version of cock and bull ball torture to him. Yeah, we're gonna ring his bell. 
<laughs> this market's gonna be wide open and we're gonna fucking enter with our and we're gonna leave we're gonna leave ribbons of ticker tape all over his back and his belly <laughs> all over the belt stocked ticker tape all over his belly oh, good lord that's disgusting <laughs> you I said it. Yeah, you said it. You had that mental image I had in your to, mind. I had yeah, to. You, you got way into that. I can't help it. When I get oh, fucking... bunk funkers, you should have seen the look on his face. <laughs> Animalistic. I was drooling. Animalistic. Mustard Ooh, all just, over my chest. Just consumed with carnal lust. <laughs> For Adrian Wojanowski or whatever his first name is. Um, I think we got to talk about it. And did the world end in 2012? I mean, what do we think should we just get to verdicts? What, is there anything else you want to bring up? I mean, I kind of did all the things I want to do. I ranted about social media. Uh, we, talked about, <laughs> we talked about AI and the next industrial revolution. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Mandela I covered all, all the points. And I think if we talk about did the world end, like to me, that's the verdict, right? Yeah. Because that's the, that's the underpinning here. Right. Boy, I got to think about this one, though, about where I'm going to put this on the scale. Because I know how I'm feeling about it. But how do I quantify it? I mean, I have a verdict ready if you want me to go to it. Yeah, go to your verdict and you I'm going to like pick which thing I want to do. So did the world end in 2012? I have a two-part verdict here and I want to kind of explain about it. Did the world actually end? Physically end and we move to a new reality in 2012? I'm going to say plausible minus and a half. Whoa. And the reason why it's not case closed or anything is because I, I'm going to say, are we in a simulation? I'm going to say it's plausible. Mm -hmm. which I think is something that I maybe said in the actual simulation theory episode. And then I thought like, well, if I think that maybe we're living in a simulation, uh, then I can't completely close out that the world ended in 2012. Why 2012? I mean, I don't know. I don't think necessarily the, I don't buy into the Mayan thing very much for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And also like, their stuff is all over the place. It's not like they ever specifically said, hey, the world's going to end on the 13th Bakhtun when the Bakhtun resets. Um, you know, it, they were stargazing shit past the Bakhtun. And then you say that there might be some speculation with the way that that shit was calculated because you're moving calendars all over the place, mm -hmm. which is why, again, everyone should stick to ISO format for their daytimes. Um, and then use UTC, UTC offsets. <laughs> Mayans, you idiots. Why didn't you use ISO formats? You got to use UTC offsets to to help pad between daylight savings and stuff across the country and across the world. So uh, daytimes are very important, people. Uh, logistics are very important. And um, we don't thank logistics enough. So thank you, logistics. And thank you to everyone out there who thank plans you. logistics. Thank you. God um, bless. What can Brown do for you? Um, it can make me have to run. Oh, baby. Oh, dear. I get a hat brown in my tummy. <laughs> and then watch the ponies. Oh, yeah. Uh, what? I mean, you know, did it end in 2012? I don't know. Has the world gotten shittier? Relatively. I mean, 2018, 2019 wasn't that bad, but 2020 was pretty shitty. I mean, I had some shitty stuff happen to me personally in 2020 that fucking sucked. So a lot of people did, uh, but also worldwide pandemic, you know, 2015 was a pretty fucking good year. When I was 23 years old, I had a great time. <laughs> 28, not so much. <laughs> yeah. But also a lot of other really great stuff happened. I mean, we were still doing the shit. I mean, it's all relative. Did the world get shittier? I think the world's always been shit. We just didn't know about it. So yeah. I don't really know if 2012 is like this big cutoff. Is CERN trying to do something evil? I, I mean... 
I want to think so. I do think that people, there, there are evil people who will try to manipulate CERN and try to, I do, I, as comical as this sounds, as, as comic book evil geniuses as it sounds, I do think that there are evil people out there who want to control the Higgs boson. I want to control the universe. As silly as that sounds. <laughs> I mean, can you honestly think that like a company wouldn't want to control the thing that gives the world mass? I don't know. But is CERN trying to open a gateway portal to a demon world? No, I don't necessarily think that. But I'm not I'm not close to living in a simulation. I just don't know why 20 I don't know if 2012 is necessarily a cough. You could use a lot of different I mean, you know, you could use a lot of different things. Like people think uh, certain presidents are the antichrist. So you could say the year that they were elected was the fucking every fucking president has always probably ever been the antichrist ever to somebody, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, people have been saying that the world was going to end in, you know, the Hale Bob comet. Heaven's Gate thought it was going to end. Yeah. But we're still kicking. Yeah. Nobody has a problem with 2000. People think that after 9-11, the world ended and we shifted in the timeline and things have been shit since 2001. Yeah. So that argument kind of goes, the year is arbitrary. I do find myself agreeing more with Terrence McKenna. We're headed towards that epoch, that singularity. Mm -hmm. Will it be in my lifetime? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. He doesn't fucking know. He doesn't care. Yeah. His argument is that it's to relative to the rest of the world. It's going to happen soon. And I think I agree with that. So I'm going to be case confirmed on that. So I don't really know if that was something to agree with, but I'm going to put it in there and that's my verdict. <laughs> wow. What a verdict. Yeah. Lots of stuff. That was, uh, that was a Campbell's chunky soup can of oh. a verdict right there. Oh yeah. Uh, another sponsor of this podcast, Campbell's chunky soup. Um, I guess, uh, so I had some time to think about it. Yeah. While you were doing your soliloquy. And um, <laughs> I think that I'm just going to go right down the fairway on this one and say straight plausible. Wow. Um, and I agree with a lot of, of what you said. Um, you know, I, I do think that it's like 2012, why 2012? But at the same time, it's sort of like, I'm, I'm seeing the other side of that where it's like, well, why not 2012 then? Like literally it could be any year. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, are we in a simulation? I don't know. Maybe like, uh, you know, they could work harder on the simulation because this isn't that great. Uh, like, frankly, the devs need to get involved, yeah. like, and fix this because yeah. there's a lot of bugs, a lot of bugs. Uh, so I don't know. I just it's 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 like you said, I mean, you could figure out. I mean, people have like latched on to the Mayans just because they have like a feeling about. The Mayans, I mean, people tend to think that like, oh, the Mayans were so mystical and advanced and and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, I guess it's fine like that. That's what you glommed on to. But otherwise, there's really no there's really no reason to suspect that 2012 was any different. But that said, it's like, I mean, CERN, I don't know, maybe they did knock us into an alternative dimension or ended the world and managed somehow at the same time to like simulate everything. Well, I guess the thing is, we're all part of a simulation, so we all died, and it doesn't matter. They're just running a simulation on us. Yeah, or like we, they actually did release a giant black hole, and because the black hole would have destroyed our universe, it would have, it would have sucked in our universe instantaneously. Like we would have no concept right. of it happening because that's how fast it would happen. Right. And inside the Higgs boson, it would be a different universe with different fundamental properties because. 
the Higgs boson would not be the same as it is right now. Right. And it's that's why it's inconceivable because it's like, okay, what the Higgs does is give everything mass. What does a Higgs do that is actually at the vacuum state, not in the meta vacuum state? Right. Like, what does it do? Does it give everything anti-mass? Like, yeah. I don't know, you know, what the fuck? That's the thing that's inconceivable is because we can't conceptualize it. We don't know. We don't have the yeah. language for it. We might be living inside of a black hole where, uh, I don't know, everything's kind of the same, <laughs> but uh, maybe slightly off. Yeah. That's the thing. So I guess plausible maybe it ended. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, I have no, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't think there's any way to disprove or prove it. Right. You know, it's one of those it's things. It's just a feeling. Yeah. It's just like either. I mean, people who think that it, their lives have been shittier since 2012, like I feel bad for them. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't just try and blame that on external factors. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm shaming people for feeling how they feel, but it's like, you know, a little bit of introspection I think goes a long way. And it's for like, sure. rather than saying like, there's a Satanist at CERN who opened a black hole to a demon portal and now demons are infesting my life. And that's why things have been shitty since 2012. It might be a good idea to step back from that and be like, are there changes in my own life that I could make? Or maybe I need to get help with something that, you know, has been weighing me down for all this time. Uh, Cause I mean, from my perspective, like my life's been pretty good since 2012. Yeah, a lot of good things are happening to you. Yeah. Everything's fucking looking up Andy. I mean, I mean, probably that's proof that we are in an alternate dimension. Uh, and that's what happened. <laughs> like, my life went the other way. Everybody else was having a great life, and things got worse. And I was not having a great life, yeah. and now things are great. No, I, there's ups and downs every single year. It's like, yeah. how can you just say everything has gotten shittier when it's that yeah. is not fucking true? Yeah, it's just it's it, there's no there's no possible. That's one of those statements where it's like it's impossible to prove or disprove, because if you just say like, oh, I feel like everything's gone to shit since 2012. It's like nobody can say you're wrong. Right. Like, here's how here's quantifiably all the ways that that's wrong. And nobody can say, like, here's all the ways you're right. It's like if you feel that way, like, you know, I, I don't know. It's like I won a million dollars in 2013. It's like, yeah, that fucking sucked. Then. Uh, all my family put all much pressure on me and then I gave it all away and then they never talked to me anymore. Like, you know, it's like, I mean, it's like people, I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know what everybody's individual circumstances are, but right. it's like, then they try to extrapolate that into like this worldwide consciousness of like, well, I know I feel shitty and everybody else I know feels shitty. Therefore, the entire universe is more shitty than it was in 2012 right. or in 2011. You know, uh, very true. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, bunkfunkers, listen, if there's something that got you down, okay, listen, you can get through it. Just know that you can do it. Whatever it is, I don't know what, maybe it's something small, maybe it's something big, but just keep on grinding. Keep on keeping on. You're going to yeah. get through it, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know who needs to hear that, but if you need to hear it, don't give up. Keep following your dreams. And it's because it's easy to fall into a literal fucking black hole of despair being like, everything's shit. Life fucking sucks. Yeah. Fucking 2012. God damn it. Keep following your dreams no, many, no matter how many snarky YouTube comments you get about them. <laughs> no matter how many emails you get about how you do a shitty job. Yeah. Just keep following your dreams. No matter how many people tell you you're a government shill. <laughs> just keep going. Just keep it going. Um, you know, and don't be afraid to get help. Yeah. If you need it. help. 
Like, ask for, ask for help. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. I ask for help literally all the time, even for things like putting my pants on. Yes, that's true. You do have a pants putting on machine. You actually have I call one, it of those, uh, one of those easy climb staircases that like, you know, the slow things that go up the staircase for like older people. Yeah. But it's actually a contraption where you sit on it naked and then it clothes you as it goes up the stairs. Yeah. And I live, I live in a, an apartment, so I only have one, you know, a single floor. Yeah. It's crazy. I just, yeah. I just had to put that. The thing just goes in my closet. <laughs> I mean, I could just easily walk in and get dressed, but I'd rather ride the little chair around. Right. Well, bunk funkers, um, let us know what you think. What do you think about the world ending in 2012, huh? How have things been for you since 2012? What do you think about the theory and everything covered within it? Let us know. Use the hashtag. Um, I mean, 2012-2021. That's a good one. Or... (laughs) Or 2012-2, electric baktunaloo. I love that. (laughs) I don't know how that will work as a hashtag, but whatever. 2012-2... Electric Bach <laughs> Tunaloo. That's that's wonderful. Delightful. And let us know what you think. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Find our YouTube channel by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker in the YouTube search and we'll come up. And if you, uh, there's plenty of bunker videos on there. Full episodes are going up. If you feel so inclined, like and subscribe. And if you feel so inclined to support the show and you have the means to do so, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod, where we'll be doing tons of fun true crime episodes and a whole bunch of other stuff, sneak peeks, Bunker Discord, Bunker Newsletter, um, behind-the-scenes polls, <laughs> and a bunch of other shit, too. It's a good time there on the Patreon, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it, Andy. Yeah, it covers it all. I think uh, that was a good rundown. Uh, boy, this was a uh, this was a chock full episode, right? Oh here. yeah, this was a nutty one. Oh yeah, and then it was full nutty. of like pecans and walnuts. <laughs> yeah, like my stool. <laughs> good God. Um, you know, Andy, I think we had a pretty nice little uh, little. Uh, outro there with a nice little somber positive message for the bunk bunkers yeah anything last words uh before i fucking shoot you out of my large hydron collider and <laughs> collide you with a make a fucking big zandy no i just have to reiterate that uh if we are living in a simulation remember if you're a dick you're still a fucking dick because you don't know that we're in a simulation so you still bear the responsibility for all your actions yeah. you can't you can't you can't be like our arch nemesis Ian and shove it all off on the computer and say that it's like the Sims and lock people in their rooms so they piss themselves until they die. That's wrong. And it's amoral. Yeah. Don't be a simulated dick. Be nice. Be a real dick. Be chill. Be chill. Be nice. Well, be friendly. For someone who isn't chill, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my torrential. <laughs> yeah. I am torrential. Co-host Andy Hart, I'm Art Stone, saying that was the whole enchilada. Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> <laughs>
That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.